Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. On our latest episode, we're talking some scary jigsaw action. Is Fandango a movie monopoly? Week eight in the NFL. And what the heck is Michael Bay doing with Dora the Explorer? All this and more as we reach our next stop. Da 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 Dora Dora. The PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another edition of the P. C C Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. But I'll tell you what, let's hope we, we set you off on the right foot as far as having yourself a great weekend. For our great weekend here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, there's no better way to break it down with me as far as all the great pop culture news and info than with my good friend, he is the master chief of Humanica Media, is Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? So would that make Pop Culture Cosmos like the UNSC? Like the Halo universe or whatnot? Uh, I could be uh, Sergeant Johnson. A Avery Johnson is my favorite Halo character, so that's cool any day of the week. And he just keeps coming back over and over again. So Yeah, exactly. Even though we did see him get speared by the Arbiter, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, he also blew up in the first one, so you never know, man. It, it's like it's like Captain America; will just keep bringing him back to life. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we've got a great show for you today. Got a lot of stuff on the plate. We're going to be talking some Stranger Things, also as well. We are going to be talking some Week Eight in the NFL with Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, and of course, my good friend, the director of Nintendo Quest and his newest documentary, Kitty origins and evolutions my good friend rob mccallum he's going to be joining me later in the program talking a little bit about fandango and uh well it looks like they're trying to create a monopoly they can't say that but it kind of looks like they are in in more ways than one and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit but first it's another great weekend at the box office it's getting oh it's, it's scary time indeed because it's nearing Halloween. And what a better way to celebrate the Halloween at the movies than with an old friend returning as far as horror movies are concerned. Jigsaw is coming back to theaters in the movie called Jigsaw. So, Josh, 
Share your thoughts with me on the Saw franchise. It's just a great time indeed if you're a horror fan. So tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on Jigsaw coming out this weekend after a few years of being dormant as a franchise. It's one of those things where I, per, me personally, I don't feel like we needed another one. They kind of played it out. And Saw, granted, the first uh, the first two had, like, they were gross at some points, but they had very um, intriguing and, I guess, like, as emotional as a, an emotionally disturbed movie like that can be. And it was, it was good. And then three just kind of got old, and they just started beating it to death. And I, I just, what else? Is, what else do they have to offer here except for a? Is it, it's going to be a copycat or a relative or maybe like a program that he left behind? I'm just, I'm not, I'm not interested in watching this movie. Like I, I'm going to read the reviews, but I, I personally have no desire to see it. Do you think that we're, we need this? I'm going to say this right off the bat. I am not a huge fan of the Saw franchise. Because if you're trying to deal with the backstory and the whole interlooping of somebody that got injured or hurt or maimed or tortured in one of the previous films suddenly comes and works with the the main antagonist and and just you know all and it's these surprises and out of nowhere it's just the the cohesion it's almost as bad as Assassin's Creed when it comes to cohesion is concerned and it's just all over the place as far as the story and it makes up stuff along the way as far as either new victims or new supporters or copycats and all that great stuff but everybody cares about only one thing and one thing only when they're watching the Saw movies and that's the torture scenes and uh, I guess you know for for those who are really into it it's great I'm not a big fan of it. I've never really found them really that enjoyable, not because it's any squeamish for me or anything like that. It's just, okay, I saw the first one. I thought it was kind of cool. And then seven saws later, uh, you want me to still stay interested in it, even though it's trying to get kind of like a reboot after a little while that has been been, uh, out of action, so to speak. So I'll tell you what, I'm not a huge fan of it coming back. And I don't think the movie industry is really behind it 100% either, and it, which is kind of surprising. And the reason why I say that, and Josh, I asked you to take a look as far as the number of theaters, because it's kind of surprising that it's only available in just under 3,000 theaters, which, as both you and I know, is kind of soft for an opening, especially for a horror film right near Halloween. Well, this isn't exactly a safe time for movies, especially sort of burnt out franchises. I know Blade Runner is kind of a different story, but you know you're bringing back properties that have been dormant for a long time. I I understand why they're doing this. So it'll be interesting to see how many people venture out to see this movie. But you know, I think they're trying to minimize risk as much as possible. I hear you on that, but the Jigsaw—it's just like most of these horror movies usually don't cost a whole heck of a lot to make. And so I'll tell you what, it's it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it just sounds, just looks like to me that the movie industry, the theater chains and whatnot, they really don't have a 100% faith that people are still interested in the Jigsaw franchise, which even after some buildup is, well, kind of disappointing for those looking to see if they can actually watch a cool horror movie this this halloween i think a lot of people will actually surprisingly go and try and seek out it as far as a horror movie to watch on halloween if they're really really got to be in the mood 
Plus, Halloween itself hits during the week, so it's really not not hitting on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So that being the case, that that's probably holding it against it as well. So kind of surprised that Jigsaw is not appearing in as many theaters as I thought it would be, but that's fine. You know that that's that's the way they want to they want to make it. That's the way they want to shape it out. People should still get a chance if they really want to see Jigsaw to watch that torture action that the Saw franchise has now become oh so famous for. So definitely uh, want to hear your thoughts on the Jigsaw franchise. Are you excited to see Jigsaw once again uh, appear back on the big screen? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. I want to also mention that on our Monday show, the Pop Culture Cosmos show, which you can check out every Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on the Podcast Radio Network, we're going to be talking a little bit about the death of Connect. We're also going to be talking to some great video games, including, well, I said this was going to be the greatest video game week of the year, and it certainly has been as Assassin's Creed Origins, Super Mario Odyssey, and Wolfenstein Tune, the New Colossus have all hit the shelves all with great reviews. In fact, uh, it's, it seemed like a lot of cases, I knew you've been checking it out as well, Josh. It seems like a very good, great, and almost, dare I say, perfect scores from a lot of critics all around. Surprisingly enough, I expected Mario to do well, and it did. And surprisingly enough, uh, people are rating Assassin's Creed and Wolfenstein very well. So uh, I guess it depends on how much money you want to spend, what you want to wait till Christmas to play. And much time you get on your hands because it's going to be a busy season starting now indeed and we'll see how it shapes up over the weekend for some final tallies but we'll definitely share our final thoughts on those games as far as where they stand and definitely how they'll run and how they'll compare as far as the end of the year all the awards and whatnot we'll share our thoughts on the monday show on that so check it out this monday on the podcast radio network 10 30 p.m eastern and also as well on a numerous array of podcasting stations it's going to be a great episode indeed we've got rob mccallum standing by also as well we have our good friend tyler baker and then also josh and i are going to come back with our thoughts on stranger things and something that really just shocked us both when we got the news that it came across the wire that not only has us scratching our head but really just has us almost rolling our eyes simultaneously and we're going to talk about that as we close the show it's going to be another great episode indeed but it all starts off with a good friend of ours plasma z he's always our man in the know when it comes to music on fridays this is shadows of chernobyl and this is the pcc multiverse
Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. We all remember the fun conversations we used to have at the lunch table. Sometimes they were pretty deep. There's a lot of things we learned about how to use the internet safely, how to like, you know, use uh, our voice intelligently. Um, these were not lessons that we were ever taught as like kids. This is No But Seriously. You can find us on Google Play and iTunes. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. This is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture. You cannot assimilate that title into your normal zing sling high helium tagline. What? Exactly. Pretty good opening. Okay, you're you're borderlining on Mark Wahlberg now. The Pop Culture Cosmos? What what is that? Cosmic Crossfire? I well, like I just heard uh, now speaking of Mark Wahlberg. I just heard him say he is now regretting doing Boogie Nights. Even I though saw that as well. That's one of his best performances of his career. Uh, his yes, best performance. I mean, maybe The Fighter, but I think Boogie Nights is a better film. So I get to uh, I agree. To Boogie Nights. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Boogie Nights is one of his best films, and just he, him regretting to do that. Yes, I understand as uh, from a content religious value. Okay, okay, we'll give him that. But from the fact that it is his one of his best performances, that's just a shame that he feels that way. So you see, and I would argue that Boogie Nights is a classic faith-based movie. It's about following your heart, doing things in the face of adversity when everybody else tells you it's wrong. It's about you know just just believing in those voices and visions that you have. And even when you're taken off the path of, of righteousness, you find a way to come back and you ask for forgiveness from the father and you'll find a way to get back in there. This is true. Only on the cosmic crossfire. Will you hear Boogie Nights argued as a faith-based film? Yes, exactly. But thanks again for joining us. It is the cosmic crossfire. I'm here with my good friend, the man with the legend, the director of Nintendo Quest, and so many other awesome features. You got to check it out today on robmccallumfilms.com or Rob McCallum Films on Facebook because he's got so many things in the fire going on. It's just, you know, the list is just continuously growing as we speak. And it's but an exciting here- time, too, uh, on that note, uh, Gerald, because the world premiere, Kitty Origins Evolutions, the documentary on the Canadian uh, metal band that I know quite literally intimately um is uh this friday (laughs) see what i did there yes i did yes i did (laughs) very very sly very sly indeed (laughs) it's rob mccallum it's great to have you back back in the middle of the cosmic crossfire check out everything that's going on rob mccallumfilms.com like you said kitty the world premiere correct on friday yeah, it's a, it's a pretty private screening. It's not actually open to the public. It's for Indiegogo backers and people associated with the film. But it is hitting the silver screen in, in that closed-door capacity this Friday. And the coolest thing about it is we're going to have, I think, most of the members in attendance. And after the screening, they're going to play a show where members of various lineups and iterations of the band will take the stage together and, and play songs. And, yes, we are filming it. And at some point, we will make that footage available to people to check out basically 20 years of metal history on the same stage, which is pretty awesome, if you ask me. Oh, that's awesome indeed. And during the course of the movie, will you do your, you know, your usual thing when you watch screenings or whatnot? 
Rob does not usually sit down to the best of my knowledge during these things. He like to he likes to stand in the back and watch the audience and nervously just like, you know, do they like it? Do they like it when he's in the back? Uh yeah, I mean this one's a little harder, I guess, because my fiance who is in the film, Tanya Candler, she is saying, no, you got to sit down next to me because I want to hold your hand and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I can't sit down. I'm going to be way too anxious and nervous. So we haven't figured out the answer to that question yet, Gerald. Uh, I think it might be a combination of the two. I, I may have to I, just stand beside her at the back of the room where she holds my hands and I pace back and forth. Well, I believe I've been to with uh, not one, but I think two screenings uh, and have seen your way you, I've actually, it's almost as interesting watching you than watching the outstanding films that you're a part of is because, you know, you're just so, you you get that nerves. And I'm sure as a filmmaker, this is your project, this is your baby. The the fact that you want acceptance so much from the, the audience and to like your project, obviously that, that comes about because of it. It's just a really different experience. Because at that point, with the film playing on the silver screen, you are so helpless to do anything. You can't do anything except for sit there and hope it goes well. So I squirm a bit, but that's just that's just me, and that's just part of the process. And I'm pretty sure that's a lot of filmmakers out there as well. So you should be proud of your work. You've got amazing stuff that's already been out already, including Missing Mom, Nintendo Quest, and so much more. I should mention quickly, I believe Missing Mom is going to be on Amazon Prime very soon for people to check out. Uh, so if you have oh, that's Prime, awesome. That's if you have a Prime subscription, you should be able to check that out. And even if you don't, I think the rental price is quite reasonable and, and the buy-it price. So I just, uh, I'm just waiting for a notification from Amazon. It might even be there by the time you uh, listen to this. So check that out if you want to see uh, a gripping family tale of my brother and I hitting the road trying to see if we can find our mom who disappeared 25 years ago. Uh, and I'll tell you what, this is something that actually a lot of people should see because this one has garnered a lot of awards, including the Tree Festival, aka Forest City Film Festival. <laughs> but a lot of a lot of awards and a lot of nominations all around the world. And it's really been hard to get to and hard to watch as far as from uh, you know a lot of people wanting to see it. It's been hard for them to get a kind of a an avenue to actually really see it. So this uh, this is really one of the first opportunities people have a chance to really see the film firsthand. Yeah, it played the festival circuit for a while, and that tied it up from distribution. But now it's kind of more or less run the course from the festivals that I submitted to. And uh, we're weighing some of our different distribution options. Our agent is in con right now at MIPCOM, uh, pitching it, as well as Nintendo Quest and Nintendo Quest Power Tour. So that's exciting. I can't wait for that report to come back. And speaking of distribution deals, I'm hoping sometime, maybe within the next month or so, depending on when we record, I can reveal a potential deal for our He-Man documentary, Power of Grayskull, The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters Universe. We have an offer that we like, but there's a lot of moving pieces to it, and we're moving fast on it. So I can't say anything now. I'm going to keep everybody in suspense. But yes, we have an offer on the table. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome indeed. And now with He-Man actually just becoming even more rele- relevant due to that awesome Geico commercial, which uh, I keep referencing every now and then. It's great to see He-Man actually coming back to the forefront in the realm of pop culture indeed. But we've got a lot of great things to talk about right here on this show. So Rob, what's on tap for today's program? I don't have my usual read between the lines spiel because I think some of these topics are 
pretty uh, not controversial, but stimulate conversation and harken back to everything we've talked about over the last few weeks on the Cosmic Crossfire. So I want to I want to kick it off with Fandango acquiring MovieTickets.com. Now, Gerald, you had mentioned the uh, the the dread and that people had when they were trying to get their Star Wars tickets and having to use Fandango or MovieTickets.com instead of just going to the theater. You talked about the surcharge and buying the popcorn and all the extra costs and, and, exactly. and associated. So as somebody who has, you know, chosen box office over online stores and, and occasionally by the sounds of it, maybe relinquished to that online opportunity, where do you, where do you fall in, in an acquisition like this? Because to me, they were the two big names out there for movie sites. Uh, even when you go to something like Regal, they, it redirects you to Fandango. Exactly. Yeah. And, and pretty much any theater chain now does that because they're, for lack of a better term, in bed with almost every major theater chain in North America. So Fandango really has won out and become the major player in ticket services. I, I have used Fandango and I probably will and when I'm in a hurry, when I have to go somewhere and I, I want to go get that ticket. And I'm not going to be able to stop by the box office first and if I want to grab those seats uh, especially as since more and more theaters are changing over to a more uh, reserved. Also, they're more relaxing with the reclining seats type operation. Uh, uh, you're going to be able to reserve specific seats. As more and more theaters go to that, Fandango becomes more important. A lot of times, if, if you're not doing this advan in advance, you actually have to go ahead and utilize Fandango and pay the fee to get those premium seats. And that's all well and good, but I'm hoping that if you do have time and you do plan things ahead, when you before you go to the movies, you you go to do the uh, the old school way and go to the box office, or think about something like Movie Pass, the ten dollar uh, a month service that even though some theater chains are trying to resist against, you're still in a lot of cases able to utilize the ten dollar a month Movie Pass. And be able to go ahead and and see at least one movie a day on that movie pass with a great deal of theaters are still utilizing and still accepting it so that's uh, as long as that is able to be effective that may be a viable alternative to utilizing fandango but there's you know good and bad with it because reserving seats things of that nature you can't do and you actually have to go down and do it the old school way as well well i sure tell you i wish there was uh movie pass up here in, in Canada that would be quite the uh, the treat especially with films costing you know 15 bucks to go see uh, the premium times plus the the luxury recliner chairs and all those bells and whistles let alone a service charge so uh, getting a, something like movie pass up here would be awesome but or Canada's... even if you add on think about this uh, when I watched Blade Runner I wanted to watch the IMAX version that was an additional ten dollars a pop was something and then if you want imax 3d for upcoming films let's say star wars or whatnot that's going to cost you even more so you could be paying 25 dollars a seat even more for for just one two-hour movie which really is getting quite pricey does does this acquisition of fandango of movietickets.com which by the way i always thought movietickets.com was like the way better marketable service because it says what it is fandango had those you know paper bag puppets for the longest time but is, is this going to change things? Do you think that monopolizes and crystallizes and make, makes it the only place to go? Or You took the words right out of my mouth when you said monopolize. I, I had monopoly on the mind, and 
technically it cannot be a monopoly in today's business cycle because obviously there are legal precedents here in the United States and also Canada that would rule out a monopoly. But on the surface, when you look at it and, and you know on the table that Fandango has uh, really a chokehold and a stranglehold on the movie industry if you want to get advanced tickets. And at least when you're buying theater, concert, sporting event tickets, there are a lot of options as far as StubHub or actually through a lot of the sports leagues themselves that you can go directly through. There's still a lot of options there, but when it comes to movie tickets, it's unfortunately Fandango or you head straight to the box office. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the, uh, the reserve seating because I don't think I had used online tickets uh, until reserve seating hit uh, downtown Summerlin in, in Vegas. Now, that said, I think I actually bought them online for Star Wars Episode Three premiere. I think that was my first online ticketing experience. But I hadn't used either of those sites for anything except for checking movie times. I just wanted to see when the movies were playing, so that's why those sites were valuable to me. But now, because I want those reserved seats, I, I guess it means a little bit more, and Fandango will probably get my money. Wow, wow. It, it, it replaces the fact that instead of going, you know, when you and I were younger, we would wait in the lines for like an hour or sometimes for a really big movie or whatnot so that we could get a better seat because it was yeah. a free-for-all in general seating. Now, like I said, more and more theaters are going to the reserved seating format. And as someone like, like, for instance, I had to go down to the box office to buy my tickets for Thor Ragnarok and Star Wars The Last Jedi to pick out the seats just so I could. But, you know, I wasn't be, well, I wasn't able to get the first showing or the Thursday showing. And even in Star Wars case, I wasn't able to get the Thursday, Friday, or even early Saturday showings. To me, that I attribute to Fandango and those online services, which, you know, you can do right from your own home. So it's, it, you know, you're paying for convenience. That's all yeah. you are. Uh, and and Fandango's made a huge profit from it and will continue to do so unless we can find something a little bit better. That wraps up the Cosmic Crossfire. If you uh, have questions, comments, or want to just let us know what you thought of it, drop us a line. Uh, where can they hit us up, Gerald? You can always leave your thoughts with us on popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. All right, well, All right. thanks for having me, my friend. As always, it's a pleasure, my friend. And, and, you know, it's just so awesome, as always, to have you a part of the PCC Multiverse. Welcome to Death's Door Podcast, a podcast that explores some of the most haunting cases from America's death row. I'm the host, Dominique Mix, and I hope you'll join me weekly as I explore cases of the innocent and guilty, the executed and the exonerated, all of whom have one thing in common. They all know what it's like to look through the bars of a cell on death row. From the crime to the case's conclusion, I explore evidence, corruption, characters, and, of course, the crime itself. You can find the show on the Acast app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. I hope you'll join in, and in the meantime, don't forget to hold your loved ones tight. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Joe Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And I'll tell you what, Josh, 
Stranger Things on Netflix. It's coming back for another season. You wanted to really get this going as far as the hype is concerned because this show has been eagerly anticipated by a lot of individuals. They're, they're just tuned into their Netflix and ready to binge watch all they can on it. So I want to hear your thoughts on Stranger Things Season 2. What are you expecting and do you think it's really going to play out as well as it did for Season 1? I've been trying not to read the reviews so far, but I've been seeing mixed headlines about it. I think so. I, I'm really hoping, because, you know, in all honesty, the Stranger Things, it's a great show, but it's sort of just a an elaborate, uh, you know, less depressing retelling of The Mist uh, by Stephen King. Um, no, I, and I've, I'm hoping that there's more than that one monster they show in the trailer. So I'm, I, because I literally know nothing about what's going on in this season. I just know Will's back and he's, you know, there's more, another creature trying to crawl through, but like, what made the first season so interesting was that they had the demigorgon had it was more of a physical being but from what we saw in the trailers for season two looks like it's the monsters is a weird octopus thing that floats in the sky so i'm hoping there's some kind of like physical threat here as uh, as opposed to like a starfish floating above everybody but how do you feel about it because i know we talk about it a lot and i, I never asked you if you what you thought of the first season I was impressed by the first season. I, you know me. I love those 80 references, uh, especially after uh, Ready Player One and all that. Anything that references heavily into the 80s, whole dichotomy of things and uh, from the arcades to Dungeons and Dragons, that whole era where I am from as far as when I grew up in my teen years. I mean, that's what I became accustomed to, going to the arcades and all that. I like the way it evolved obviously it created a lot of suspense it's definitely one of netflix's better representations on the network uh, i actually kind of like it even more than any of the marvel representations and i was just talking to kevin from the Flopcast about the the way that marvel and dc on the big screen is so much better to me than the way it gets represented anywhere else on the small screen. So definitely for me that Stranger Things is something that I think has a big screen type of quality and a big screen type of feel, yet it somehow has been managed to artfully and carefully and, and been able to find itself a great home on Netflix because, like I said, this would go easily on the big screen and, and make a ton of cash as well. It's it's a kind of story that yes they could make a movie out of it but I mean it's literally you know the first season is like what 10 hour 10 12 hours there's 12 episodes in the first I season 12 yeah yeah so it's it's about 12 hours it's it's a type of story that you couldn't watch in you know a couple hours you would need cuz it's kind of like super 8 there's so many more aspects it was an excellent movie but there's so many more aspects to that movie I wish I would have known but I think, I think the presentation-wise, it, it would be able to be on screen. It wouldn't, it wouldn't feel like it's like a uh, drummed-up version from the from the small screen. Oh, no, yeah, for sure. Like, if they were to show it in theaters, like, offer, before it came out on Netflix, offer, like, a limited theater run where you just sit there and binge it, oh, people would pay money for that. People would dress up in costumes to go watch that. Definitely. Uh, I think they would as well. Uh, and as far as... How well will it be 
viewed. I think it's just people are just waiting on it right now, like you, and the eager anticipation of what is going to go on in this season. And I do want to hear your thoughts as we go along, what your thoughts are on Stranger Things. So I definitely want you to check back in with us with your thoughts on how Stranger Things Season 2 is developing because I think it's really going to come down to what we think Stranger Things will be going through as compared to the first season because the first season came off so well. It was so well executed. I'm hoping that Stranger 2 will continue that vibe down the road as well for this season. What are your thoughts on Stranger Things? Are you as uh, eager to see it as Josh is? Are you are you excited about what's coming up in store for the kids of Stranger Things? Are, are you really excited to, to go ahead and binge watch it on Netflix and see what's going on this season with the group? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos and humanity media on Facebook and Twitter as well. Do you think that there's going to be more monsters and, and it's just really scary stuff going on in Stranger Things? Is that why you really like it? Uh, I'll tell you what, it's a great time of the year to actually debut it with Halloween and all that. And we just talked earlier about Jigsaw being a key component to as far as the box office this weekend is because it's a horror movie you know, in the Halloween weekend. Well, this definitely may be something as well that people want to check out this Halloween to, for that little bit of a scare thing going on and, and all the suspense that only Stranger Things has been able to give fans over the course of the past year as far as what a, what a great show it is. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the program. This is Gerald Gosford from the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today as far as for the PCC Multiverse. And I'll tell you what, it's another great week in the NFL coming up. And who better to break it down with me than the man, the myth, the legend, the voice of fantasy football. If you have any issues or concerns or anything you want advice on in and around fantasy football, there is no better place to go to than the Fantasy Football Pater podcast group on Facebook. There's also ffpater.com. And of course, you can listen twice a week on Tuesdays and Saturdays to the Fantasy Football Pater podcast, which is now available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, and SoundCloud. It's my good friend, Mr. Tyler Baker. What's going on, man? 
Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you for the high praise. I appreciate uh, that. Well, it's a can't miss, can't miss podcast. And I was listening to it the other day when your Tuesday show dropped. And you, you had those six guys that you know you might want to consider picking up as far as they that might be on the waiver wire because of all the injuries that have happened pretty much across the board in fantasy football. Yeah. But there's a lot of great games on tap, so I want to get your thoughts on what's going on with this weekend in the NFL as far as if you're a fantasy football owner and where you should turn to first for all your moves. Well, this is an interesting point in the NFL season. A lot of teams are just banged up. <laughs> so a lot of teams are forcing to adapt and are forcing to change. And as far as fantasy football, this is the point where you have a lot of teams on by this week, next week. Uh, six teams in each one of those two weeks. That's a lot of roster adjustments that you're going to have to make. It's it's a torrent <laughs> for some people. Like there's just a lot going on, and uh, the Facebook group is a really good place to go to. Get, and it's it's so hard to do a podcast or write an article about what to do with someone's team because I don't know your scoring system, I don't know your league, I don't know who's on your waiver wire. So the Facebook group, I really enjoy when people join that and ask their questions via the Facebook group because I can see what the rosters are, I can see who's on the waiver wire. But this is very much an interesting week. Week. Again, there's six teams on by. And since the Tuesday podcast, Dontrell Inman, who was a wide receiver that was buried on the Chargers depth chart, he has now been traded to the Bears. And the Bears have really been hurting for a receiver. And Inman, when he was uh, called on to play in Los Angeles and when they were in San Diego, he's done really well. So He's a good skilled receiver that is now on a team that is really hurting for a receiver. So I don't think he's going to do much this week, but maybe in the next couple of weeks, he might be a guy that I guarantee you is on your waiver wire. Again, probably not much this week, but it will be an interesting game to watch because they are playing New Orleans and uh, Chicago playing New Orleans. I think that it's going to Chicago is going to have to attempt more than seven passes against <laughs> last week. They attempted seven passes and managed to win the game. They're not going to be able to do that against New Orleans. So that's one of the games that I'm really going to be looking at. How is the rookie quarterback, Mitch Trubitsky, how is he going to respond in a game where he's going to have to put up a lot of points? You stole my thunder, man. You stole my thunder. I was As soon as you started yeah. talking about a receiver for Chicago, uh, yeah. seven passes that we had talked about in, in our previous episode, that I was going to come right back on you. I'm like, why does Chicago need a receiver? Doesn't seem like they throw the ball much there in the Windy City. But let's assume things will change and things will go back to what should be 2017 norm and Mitchell Trubisky. Just call him Mitch. Mitch mm -hmm. Trubisky. Yeah, yeah. It sounds much better. It does. Uh, uh, throwing the ball upfield. So I definitely think that might be a good play as well. Any others stick out to you as far as being something, maybe waiver wire pickup, but also as well, a matchup that you're looking forward to this weekend in the NFL? Well, a couple of these teams have changed significantly and uh, due to injury. Washington, you have their Pro Bowl guard is out and their left tackle, Trent Williams, he is questionable. And in that same game from uh, Monday night, the Philadelphia Eagles lost their long time left tackle. That's going to be a big blow to that team. And based on what they did last year, when he wasn't playing, it was an issue. So 
we're going to have to see how these two teams are going to be able to bounce back from those injuries. And in Cleveland, not that it matters much, but their longtime left tackle is out as well. Joe Thomas, he played over 10,000 straight snaps. The best player on that team, by far the best player on that team. And he's always been the best player on that team. He's out, might not come back. So that's going to be a pretty big deal. They are going to have, Cleveland is going to have Deshaun Kaiser starting this week. Don't know if he'll finish the game. <laughs> Remains to be seen. Don't want to go into it again this week. It's a, you know, yeah. a dead horse. Yeah. Now, if you are looking for a running back, keep in mind that Marshawn Lynch is not going to play. And that is going to open up the door for Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. They also activated Elijah Hood, who's kind of a big bruising bruising running back so those might be some sneaky pickups if you're in a ppr league i would definitely go with with richard if not washington if you really are in a deep league and are really desperate elijah hood could come in and score a touchdown but that's only if you're very desperate in a very deep league well that's some great insight indeed once again this is tyler baker from the fantasy football pater podcast his episodes drop every tuesday and saturday on apple podcasts libsyn SoundCloud, Overcast, Player.fm, and just a great, great podcast indeed. Who are some big plays as far as some expected, uh, say, uh, flex, wide receiver, running backs that really stick out to you? Or do you want to go somewhere, and let's go in deeper, let's talk about tight ends, because tight ends are a position that don't get a lot of love as far as from a lot of individuals that fantasy Mm -hmm. football out there but they can be the difference between winning and losing. They can. They can. I really like Marvin Jones Jr., wide receiver for Detroit this week. Golden Tate may play. He's limited in practice. It's going to be a truly game-time decision. But Marvin Jones, I think, is somebody that is very much worth a play. He might even be on your waiver wire but he could be the number one receiver this week they are playing pittsburgh so they're gonna have to put up some points if they want to stay in that game as far as tight ends again getting back to that chicago new orleans game zach miller has been the number one receiver for that team and he's a tight end and they are gonna have to put up points or they're gonna have to at least try to move the offense so in my mind you're talking Tariq cohen and you're talking Zach Miller. Dontrell Emmon can get in there, cool, but he's he's been with the team for a week. He probably hasn't even unpacked his apartment yet or house or whatever. As far as other tight ends, I like Hunter Henry, tight end for the Los Angeles Chargers going up against New England. Donta Hightower is not going to be playing. That's going to soften up the middle of that defense. So Hunter Henry may be a good play. Also, Tyler Croft in Cincinnati has kind of taken over Tyler Eifert's role and has been doing a pretty good job. Cincinnati 2-4 and four, fighting for their lives. They are playing a undermanned Indianapolis team. Now, also on Indianapolis, they're tight end, Jack Doyle. I've not been, been impressed with his play, but he's getting so many targets. And they are just feeding him the ball, feeding them the ball, feeding them the ball. He's dropping passes. He's not looking good. He's not looking as good as he did last year and even in the beginning of this season. So I think it's something that he could pull out of. So if you're looking for a tight end, maybe a couple of those guys. Buffalo is missing their tight end and Charles Clay, and they have, I think it's Nick O'Leary is in there. Not heavily targeted, but as he gets more acclimated to being in the game, 
perhaps he could get some more looks. They are playing Oakland this week. Oakland, Buffalo's surprisingly four and two, and I'm sure that they want to keep that going. And if they are going to keep that going, Tyrod Taylor is going to have to connect and keep up with that Oakland offense because that Oakland offense is pretty good. Even without Marshawn Lynch, the Oakland offense is pretty good. But it's been a little bit erratic, uh, especially because they have not been able to get the expected running game from Marshawn Lynch or whoever's been in that backfield. If Derek Carr, if he's healthy enough, can get things uh, hopefully to Crabtree, which is uh, my personal favorite because he's on my team. But And then also Amari Cooper. Golden Tate, like I said, he's a game-time decision. So if you you got to stay in tune with what's going on with – with Fantasy Football Pater Podcast on their group page, which is on Facebook to get the latest on his status. And then also as well to keep up with everything, ffpater.com and the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, like I said, on all those great podcasting channels. Yeah, and and it's going to be especially difficult with Golden Tate because he has the Sunday night game, and you're probably not going to know if he's going to play or not until the Sunday day games are already going. So. That's really, if if we hear something else on Friday's injury report, I will definitely let you know on the Saturday podcast, but that's going to be a really tough call uh, to play Golden Tate because of that late game. That's going to be a tough call. Definitely some great word of mouth there from the man that knows fantasy football. It's Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Once again, you can check out his Latest podcast every Tuesday and Saturday when it drops on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, SoundCloud. Check out his great site, ffpater.com. And if you really want to shoot the breeze when it comes to fantasy football, head on over to Facebook where you can just type in the words Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Look for the Facebook group that's there. It's a lot of great people indeed talking to each other about the latest in fantasy football ideas, trades, moves, waiver wire additions, subtractions, what have you. They're all being discussed in this group, so you want to check it out indeed. Tyler, as always, my friend, I'm looking forward to a great weekend, week eight in the NFL. And uh, I wish you all the best in all 10 of your leagues this this weekend. (laughs) I know. That's ridiculous. I don't know how you keep track of it all, but uh, if there's anyone that can do it, I know it's you, my friend. <laughs> it's not that difficult. I I kind of know the guys that I like and the guys that I don't, so I just kind of breeze through. The only difficulty is remembering the scoring differences between the leagues. That sometimes kind of takes me a second to readjust, but uh, I answer so many questions and I look at this stuff so much. Uh, to go in and set my lineups really isn't that really doesn't take me that much time. Tyler Baker for the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. You got to catch it today if you have a fantasy football team and need a different direction. Glad to help. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, he's he's always been there for me, and I truly appreciate uh, him and his group for so much as far as doing the best that they can for, for everyone out there when it comes to fantasy football. Tyler, as always, great having you aboard, and I will catch you very soon coming up on the Monday show where we'll recap yeah. week eight in the NFL. I'm looking forward to it. I love Pop Culture Cosmos. I love listening to the show. It's kind of weird hearing my own voice on it, but <laughs> it's a great show. I love what you guys are doing. Well, you'll be hearing Michael Bay and Dory the Explorer right after your voice <laughs> in the commercials. So I don't know if that's a great thing, but we'll talk a little bit more about that yeah. with Josh and 
cool. hopefully we can avoid the Armageddon and Transformers while we're doing so. But we'll have to wait and see. Thanks again, Tyler. Dora has Appreciate a lot it. to explore. <laughs> indeed, indeed she does. Poor girl, poor girl. She has no idea what she's in for. Yeah. Oh, thanks a lot, Gerald. I appreciate you, man. All right. Take care, my friend. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hello, podcast fans. My name is Chris Jones, and I'm here to tell you about the Nerd Bliss Podcast. Now, of all the geek-oriented podcasts out there, we are definitely one of them. Yes, we talk about Star Trek and Star Wars and cosplay and Marvel and DC and the usual. But as geeks, we embrace anyone with very specialized knowledge, like triathletes or improv comedians or musicians. So we try to bring them in and let them share their geekiness with you to help broaden some horizons. And maybe you'll learn something. Maybe we'll learn something. You can find our entire catalog at nerdlistpodcast.com on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Player FM, and we are now proud to be a part of the ESO Network. Once again, we are the Nerd Bliss Podcast. Thank you and pod bless. And we're back with the show. This is Gerald Gosford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate it as we close out the show today. If you cannot, for some reason, catch the PCC Multiverse at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network, hey, it's no problem at all. You can always download our show and stream at any point in time on our Pop Culture Cosmos channels on any one of these fine networks, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, the Ace Podcast Network, Overcast, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network, Cast Crunch, and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, where you will find a lot of great articles, including some great stuff from myself and also Mr. Josh Peterson as well. But Josh has also got some great stuff going on with all the tremendous podcasts as part of his great experience known as Humanity Media. So, Josh, what is going on? with your tremendous experience known as Humanica Media. We actually just dropped a new episode of Super BS because we're talking about Mario and uh, Assassin's Creed. So I figured instead of waiting until four or five days after the game comes out, just listen to it now. You know, we're discussing reviews and all that stuff. So uh, check it out. Listen to Attack of the Humanicans on Tuesday night. And Inside Sports also will be up tomorrow night. Check it out. Follow our Facebook, really. That's the best way because I tend to forget things. So just follow us on Facebook and you'll see everything new that pops up. A lot of great things for Inside Sports, uh, and that's all a part of the Humanica Media experience. And don't forget Attack of the Humanicans, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday at the Podcast Radio Network. And we want to make sure we thank Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast for stopping by. Also, as well, my good friend Rob McCallum, who we wish him the very best this weekend with the world premiere of Kitty's Origins and Evolutions. For more info, just check it out on robmccallumfilms.com. And then also, as well, I want to thank the two podcasts that swap promos with us this weekend, Death's Door and No But Seriously. Those podcasts, check them out on Apple Podcasts and numerous other streaming and podcasting outlets. And we truly appreciate it you allowing us to play our promos on your great podcasts as well. So check that out. Well, Josh, 
I know you probably just fell over on your seat when I sent you word that Michael Bay wants to get his hands, his Transformer-like hands, into the world of Dora the Explorer. That's right. Michael Bay, the man, the myth, the legend among Transformer movies and director of all these great and fantastically over-the-top Transformer movies. Actually, you know what? Paul props to him. They do a lot of money, and that's the bottom line. Recently said that he wants to get involved in, in the creation of a big screen adaptation for Dora the Explorer. So I ask you, <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this subject, but I ask you, because we'll talk about pretty much anything on the show, what are your thoughts on Michael Bay? going from the Transformer series, which he said the last night was going to be his last go-around, to Dora the Explorer. Da, 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 Dora, Dora. He's, he's setting out to wreck you know, everyone's childhood one generation at a time. Because I watched Transformers last night, and that is a terrible movie. It is absolutely awful. It was so bad that I was watching the interview where Anthony Hopkins said he had no idea what was going on the whole movie. He was just, you know, it was a paycheck for him. So it, it literally made no sense. It's like they took the King Arthur tale and they turned it into uh, robot fights. So that was weird. But do you remember when uh, Ari, is it Ari Shanker made that, that Dora the Explorer short on on the internet and it's like a hyper violent version of Dora the Explorer. It's like three minutes. He's the guy that made that Power Ranger short that Saban tried to sue him over. I believe so. I believe that that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, well, he, he wrote and produced the Castlevania series on Netflix, but yeah. So I imagine it's going to look something like that, but with a whole lot of explosions. So it makes you wonder. So he, <laughs> I can see you're just like going to which way should I go? I have to go through this part and this part and through these explosions and all building falls and uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's going to be, we need to trust our uh, look in the backpack, but the backpack is full of explosives and they're going to throw it at Swiper and he's just going to explode. Exactly, or the the one with the, you know, the friend that, uh, the monkey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be like, you know, pulling out some, you know, AK 47s. They're going to find some kind of legend to retell in the door of the Explorer. She's going to be searching for uh, some kind of relic, and then it's going to end up being part of the prism from Transformers, and then it's just going to turn into a merged universe. And then G.I. Joe will show up, and just we're going to have all kinds of crazy stuff happening. And then the bad boys will come up as far as being one of the. Uh, uh, right. The elements as far as to save the day as well, right in the middle of the gunfire, there's Dora the Explorer just uh, trying to go ahead and make sure that you learn Spanish at the same time. So, <laughs> oh. It can only go well. <laughs> yeah, indeed. This is going to be just awesome. Awesome in so many ways, and I'm not sure if exactly it's going to be an awesome as far as in a good way. Or if it's going to be an awesome and like, uh, what did I just watch way? But we'll have to wait and see. But I'll tell you what, Michael Bay getting a hold of Dora the Explorer franchise is truly a frightening thought to some. And 
to us here. I just think it'd be great as far as to see what actually will happen. It's just, just one of those things in life you just would never expect to see. But when it rolls right there on your news feed, you have to look at it twice. It just stops you dead in your tracks. You're scrolling, you're scrolling, and you're like, really? Oh, wow. Because I think that's what I said. I was just in shock, and I think a lot of people are too. But you know what? If you can do bad boys, if you can do the Transformer series, if you can do pain and gain, he can go and try and see what he can do to create life out of the Dora the Explorer franchise. What are your thoughts? And believe me, we do really God want to help you. us. What'd you say? I said, God help us all. Okay. Please let us know. And we really, really, really want to hear your thoughts on Michael Bay taking hold of the Dora, the Explorer franchise. We truly want to hear your thoughts on this. Share us your thoughts. And also the door. He's taking hold of the door to the, the exit door to his career. <laughs> he's got enough cash it's it's all good it's all good he's made enough money just just in china receipts alone as far as from the transformer franchise so i think he's quite good as far as as long as uh you know he's, he's still able to go ahead and and keep on doing what he wants to do because it's all about the transformers baby want to hear are you excited about Michael Bay and the door of the explorer franchise or do you think that it's just way too much to handle Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, you got a great weekend coming up. Halloween is just right around the corner, and our Halloween episode is, is coming up indeed on Monday. But what are you going to be uh, checking out this weekend? I know Stranger Things is on tap for you, correct? Right. So I'm going to be... Finishing my uh, review of Maze, and then I'm going to be playing Mario, and I'm going to be watching Stranger Things. I'll probably move on to Assassin's Creed. So I'll be busy for a bit, yeah. Indeed, he will be, but he's going to be actually showing some Maze on his Humanica Media website on YouTube. So check that out, Humanica Media on YouTube for the Xbox One game Maze. And uh, definitely looking forward to seeing a review on that as well. So for Josh Peterson... This is Gerald Glassford, and it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have your song. Oh, great. Day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the group at ESOnetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super.
Thanks for joining us. This is uh, your Thanks buddy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. No! This is my nightmare. This is my nightmare. <laughs> We're all Brian. No! A special Halloween a episode. special Halloween episode. We are many. Super BS. Super BS. <laughs> no! And club sauce. <laughs> and spicy club sauce. Anyways, your boy Brank, Brian Wagner Broderson III. Your boy Brank, Brian Wagner Broderson third. No! No more! And who is that copying every word I said? Donna. 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 The wind whispers, Donna. The wind whispers. And who's joining us? Here. This is uh, Professor Dr. Jank Jankerson third. Yeah, Chankers on third. Anyways, today is kind of special. Not only are we recording this very close to Halloween, but tomorrow is probably the biggest media release of the whole year. Um, That's right, Mario Ween. Mario Ween. Stranger Weens. Stranger Weens 2. Assassin's Ween Origins and Wolf and Ween. Weenenstein. Weenerstein. I just wanted to like talk about that stuff with you guys. I know all of us here are excited about Mario, but what are your guys' opinions only, on like? Only we had a platform for which you could talk to us. I know. I. Stuff. Uh, it's we weird should, that we're just on a phone call. We like, should start a podcast or something. I don't think we'll ever do that. That would require time and energy, and we just don't have either. So, um, but no. What do you guys? Uh, what do you guys think about Assassin's Creed Origins? I want to talk about that first. Um, I'm pretty blah on it. It does look very pretty. Yeah. Um, it's a game. That I probably wouldn't consider getting until I found myself in possession of like an Xbox One X just for the max effect. Um, even if I picked up a PS4 Pro, I still probably wouldn't buy it for that. Um, one, because I hate the controller, but also two, yeah. just because a game like that, it, it just sounds like it's like simplified in some good ways and overcomplicated in some bad ways, but it's supposed to be, you know, pretty stunning. So. I would play it for the, you know, on the best version of it I could get, essentially. Yeah, it just sounds fun to, like, run around and jump and climb. It does, but nothing, I mean, I I honestly wish they would just completely remaster Assassin's Creed 1, because to me, that's the best one. It doesn't overstay its welcome like every other Assassin's Creed game, in my opinion. And it's short, it's got, it's full of mystery and intrigue, and it's cool and pretty, I mean, Egypt is definitely like a step in the right direction because ancient Israel was really cool too. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be away from the Renaissance and the Victorian era. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't spin any games there. <laughs> yeah. No games. Um, definitely not three. Uh, but no. But the other reason that I think that I'm going to pass on it for the time being is that regardless of whether it's a third person game or a first person game, Ubisoft basically makes the same game. Yeah. And. It's it's a cool it's a fine formula, it's uh, not like a fine formula, but it's I it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, it's so just you know here's a map with all of this stuff highlighted on it. Go and slowly explore it until your map does not have as many dots on it, um, and it takes forever. And every Ubisoft game that comes out is like this, but more. And it's like it's it's pretty it's pretty tired. But it is an effective formula when it's a f- when you know like every like once a year I can manage playing a game like that. Yeah. Because um, their stories are never as good as an actual RPG, which they're basically aping at this point. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to get burned out before Far Cry Five, which looks very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally and even though those are two different, way different gameplay, they're also essentially the same. Like here's your map, here's your side quest points, here's your vantage points to explore the map further. Here's uh. your yeah. 
Yeah, I love. I I really like that formula, but I can only handle it in small doses. Kind of like we talked about. Like, yeah. I there was an exception. Do... It's not super open world, but kind of is. Was the last was the Tomb Raider reboots? Oh, those, those games. Yeah. yeah, that was. Fun. Those games seem to just be like a f- actually fun Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I uh, man, those games are great. Um, I want to talk still more about this before we even just move on to Wolfenstein. But real quick about what you were saying about remaster, and this is kind of dipping into the news. But Xbox One X is going to enhance four 360 games, and one of those games is the original Assassin's Creed. Oh, so, I, that's right. I read that. Yeah. Well, at this point, why don't they just reboot it? I, not reboot, but I mean, remaster. I, well, this is that would be Microsoft's jam. Yeah. Uh, the, is this is this upscaling? Whereas that would be Ubisoft's jam is to remake it. Oh, got yeah, it. Okay. Microsoft's not making any money off this. Is a very goodwill thing. You know, they just decided to do. I want to say it's Fallout Three. Assassin's Creed. I hope that that becomes the thing they do for more games. Because yeah. I would, if it was Fallout New Vegas, I would be. There's a done. Lo- yeah, there's a lot of 360 games I would go back and play. Well, they. Sure. I mean, yeah, we'll get into backwards compatibility later because that also happened. This man, this week is like crazy when yeah. you think about it. But um, what do you? Real quick, I do want to talk about. Yeah, Assassin's no, that's Creed what I was getting to. Yeah. Um, this, this is the thing. Like Assassin's Creed, I I never played those games because I actually enjoyed playing them. I played them because they were something to do. I, I don't know. So I mean, I, was, I love the second one. That I, was yeah. actually a game the, I The first like, and second games, like, I really enjoyed because I thought that the story was compelling. But, you know, ever since they killed Desmond and they haven't really been dabbling... Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. Jerk. Oop, there we go. And, and they haven't really been dabbling in what's been going on in the in the future or in the, the present time. It seems like this, there is no story. You're just kind of... You're these characters. They have a story for these characters in the past, but you're just doing the same things. Over and over and over, you're tra- you're killing Templars. You're tracking a guy who wants to get the Apple of Eden and, and, and rule the world or whatever. And it's then it's just his aliens. Yeah, and then it's just <laughs> aliens. And they had like you know we we're talking about this before where they they killed Desmond. They had this big like the Mayan gods came back or not Mayan gods but the aliens came back and it was like the Roman gods in two, wasn't it? Minerva like is like Venus stuff? Minerva or something yeah. like that. But they didn't really like elaborate on that afterwards so what was the point of all that so hey it would have been great if what they did with the modern day side was eventually you play as tom hanks in uh what's da vinci code Code. (laughs) that would be awesome no i mean i think a lot of us were hoping that desmond was going to be the assassin because that was what the game was leading up to and you'd get there over time right that's was like the coolest (laughs) sounding thing and they could have done spinoffs to explore these other time periods but they didn't do a watchdog type assassin's creed game featuring desmond would have been a lot of fun to play and it would and they they spent too much time getting there this is this is the problem with success with like triple a games is that it becomes this thing where it's like like i i i would bet that whoever originally created assassin's creed had like a very maybe open-ended but also like very specific story arc vision involving desmond and all this kind of stuff but then the series did really well and they're like well why don't that, we just milk it? That's yeah. the thing. I, a I don't think that it was ever intended to be an annual release. Yeah. I think that they, they released Assassin's Creed 1, and just because it was so well-received, yeah. they decided to basically do what you just said. And yeah. So with Origins, like Origins looks, it looks absolutely stunning. Like it's a, it's a very beautiful-looking game. But my concern is, you know, they're bragging about all these new like RPG elements. You're leveling up. You're leveling up your weapons. You have the uh, the hawk or whatever. And but once you get past all of these like cool new features, 
is it just going to be the same Assassin's Creed? More tower climbing, more uh, area unlocking, more little meaningless yeah. side quests, races, and whatnot. Like, but at, at least, very least, and this is from I, you know, I almost speak against Assassin's Creed yeah. as much as I do Tales games. But <laughs> our favorite I series. Find <laughs> the, yeah, I find the Middle East like a way more fascinating subject of exploration than Europe. Oh, for sure. So it is not like at the very least it's in it's in Egypt again, which is cool. Yeah, I was um, always hoping that they would have at one point, maybe they still will since we don't know how long a series is going to last, but explore like being a ninja in Japan. I know be, everybody yeah. wants that, but like they had it could that, be really cool. That side scroller one where you're in China. Oh yeah, yeah that was, the, all the those. all the countries that Ubisoft doesn't like. They uh, got <laughs> the side scroller games. <laughs> yeah, it was Russia, yeah. Turkey, I want to say, and that's uh, China. weird because the Russia one they were selling for a long time, like in the com- they Russia had, India. They had yeah. comic books and they had like a whole line of comic books. So everyone's like, oh cool, the next game's gonna be in Russia, and then it's like, oh hey, we're back in the Russia. Oh yeah, India. That would have been another one that would have been such a yeah. cool, rich environment. Yeah. Meant to oh, explore, yeah, sure. but we got it as a side school. It's not even very. I mean, it's not bad. I yeah. played it, but it's like a game that should be two dollars to three dollars, like, yeah. and probably should only last two hours. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like this. Like as as soon as they decided to make Ezio three games, yeah, I knew that the series was done. It's just it is such a bummer because we all you know now looking back, it's like oh my goodness, it's so easy to see that that was their biggest mistake. Is instead of giving the games time to breathe, like they did one to two, they started doing a yearly annualized franchise, and then they're then they you know threw everything out the window with three because I assume Revelations didn't sell well enough so they maybe just were like eh, just do in, what you want in Revelations defense so it was kind of cool to go back and see what happened to Altair yeah okay yeah. yeah I guess yeah I didn't actually play Revelations I played Brotherhood 2 uh, I played almost all of them not to the end the only one I've actually beaten is two is uh yeah two but yeah I Altair was still is still my favorite I, I know everyone cool. loves Ezio well, I but, think it was a lot of it has to do with the game too, because yeah. Altair's game is very repetitive. Whereas, like, at, not that Assassin's Creed Two is not repetitive, but it had a lot more stuff to do. Yeah. Whereas, like, you always had to do those. Do you remember the missions in Assassin's Creed One? You go to the area, you do these same side quests. You have to do X amount yeah. of them, unlocks the assassination. Right. But it wasn't that long. That's the thing. It wasn't long. It. it was a good game. It just I remember by like the third town you go to, I yeah. was like, and that's every Ubisoft game now, except for the one we'll talk about later, yeah. is uh, super repetitive. But their mo- like mantras just will add more stuff to do yeah. to distract that, from yeah, the repetitiveness. Yeah, and that's, that's like when I get to the point where I'm not like after the initial like story, I'm like I'm over it, and then I just sit there and play it because it's something to do. It's more like something to keep my mind busy instead of like actually enveloping me into the story and the game itself. Well, what do you guys think about Wolfenstein Two? Because that also comes out tomorrow. <laughs> it looks fun. Um, I I like usually once or twice a year like have a craving just for because since I play mostly RPGs which yeah. are either open world and really complicated or they're like linear but really demanding um, like time wise like a lot of times like a good single player first person shooter is yeah. just the funnest freaking thing. I um, I wish I still felt that way. What about what about you, Josh? I th- Wolfenstein. Okay, so I've been playing the first one this past week. Just okay. going back to it. it. It's it's a very intriguing world. It's uh, and it's not it's not like super repetitive. Like there's all kinds of new weapons you pick up on your way yeah. as you're walking around, and the story keeps you interested. It's not. I see why they don't have multiplayer because it's just it it would take away from the single player experience. 
Yeah, I so I want to love single player first person shooters, and I actually really like the Halo Five campaign. That was probably the last time, but I played that in co op, so I guess that doesn't count. <laughs> um, but that was the last time I can remember like a linear shooter shooting game that I really really enjoyed. But I tried getting into Doom. I tried getting into Wolfenstein One. They're really cool games. I see that. Like, I know that. But I can't get myself to really get invested into it. Mm-hmm. So as cool as this new one looks, because I think it looks, like, amazing, like, those trailers made me, I mean, this, I might get on Switch just to have it another, you know, game on Switch that I can play to on the go. But both, like, both, I think both Wolfenstein, like, um, Bethesda's, uh, you know, their, their shooter franchise, like, uh, Wolfenstein and Evil Within, uh, those are games that... I can't sit and play in one sitting. I'm kind of like I I can't inv- like like you said I can't invest a lot of time into it. It's something that I just keep going back to as time goes on. I, I yeah, do it doesn't have it doesn't have a high. I mean, maybe if you're playing them on like really high difficulties, that would be rough. Is going back to them like once a month because you lose all your you have to regain your muscle memory and stuff. Right. Um, to play it well, but for the most part, that's the other thing is that. It's typically like a low investment in like getting back into a first-person shooter or a third-person shooter. I I throw Gears of War in the same bit. It's yeah. it's linear and cool. Yeah, and I had a hard time getting into that too. I loved it. Like when I did get to play the co-op bits, like mm-hmm. I loved what I saw and it reminded me of like a Fast and Furious movie. But yeah. I just did. Did you guys end up beating four? No. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I know you did it. We should play a co-op. This is a co-op. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Uh, no. For Gears of War, this is the one thing I think that has going for him that keeps you that helps keep you interested is the fact that they have dial like the dialogue between the characters is kind of like like if you were out there trying to survive the apocalypse with your friends, like it'd be some stuff that you would be saying to each other. I mean, if I was a giant meathead, yeah, You're but uh, <laughs> I still do. I love like the bro talk of Gears of War. Oh yeah, it's the Fast and Furious of video games it really is um but it's great i mean that's the thing i love the i love the like whiny argument of like oh it's just bros and big buff guys it's like you want you want to see one of these 4chan playstation nerds holding machine guns that weigh that much yeah they can't do it i would love love to see the japanese version of gears of war with a character who's like super oh it was like a six-year-old a giant like gun like 10 times the size a six-year-old army general with powers the clouds strife sword of guns and it's like it's a girl soldier who wears a bikini armor but she's six but she's six also nice um before we move on to the big game of the week um i wanted to bring up so I noticed that the Wolfenstein reviews came out today, a day before the game dropped, and I noticed that the Evil Within reviews came out pretty close to the game dropping too. Do you think Bethesda's backtracked on their uh, policy to not send out review copies? Or no, because I think these are much smaller, smaller scale games. Oh, okay, and they're not developed by Bethesda proper, so I think they're probably not. Because I think usually the review embargo for Bethesda has to do with how buggy their games usually are at release. Yeah, well, just like Dishonored 2, people didn't get the reviews up last year because they had said that, like, oh, we're not going to do, uh, we're not going to let you guys oh, get the reviews maybe. earlier. Well, so I was just curious. Like, that, that. What came out first? Was it uh, Dishonored 2 or Prey? Because I know Prey caused them a Dishonored lot 2. of grief. It was Dishonored 2 was last year, and then Prey was this spring. Okay, yeah, because so. Prey 2 caused them a whole lot of grief. So I understand. On the reviewer like, side, where like IGN gave them a 3 because yeah. he couldn't finish it. So, I mean... And then he changed I, it. I understand why they would be uh, weary about letting reviewers get copies early. Well, I mean, the Prey is an example of why they should 
let reviewers get copies early because the IGN guy gave it a three because it didn't work. Like if they would give them the copies early, they would actually be able to get those bugs but figured yeah, out. Yeah, like, and those those threes are a big deal because Bethesda doesn't pay people based on yeah. Metacritic. So, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's stupid. Oh, that's, I think that's only sub. I hope that's only subcontracted companies, but that is yeah. the Fallout New Vegas thing where I think they need to get a higher than eighty Metacritic. No, I think it was like. I think they were only like one point off. Yeah, I thought that was a 78 they had, and they needed an 80 to get their bonuses, and it was like the dumbest thing ever. Really? This was back when, I, Metacritic's still important from what I understand, but nothing like it used to be. Like every, Metacritic used to decide pretty much how a game would sell. And now like games like PUBG that don't even have Metacritics are like the top selling games. Yeah. For, okay, before we get to the big, big game though, Stranger Things Season 2, it's coming out tomorrow. We all love the first one. But it's not a game, so shut up. It's not a game, so shut up. Are you guys stoked for it, though? Yeah. Yeah. I, the, I liked, the first trailer what made it look a lot more intriguing than the second two trailers. Was that for you guys, too, or was I, I, I the only I one really watched that? trailers. I tried to not see too much. I didn't want to get spoiled. I have read, though, like, some reviewers critiquing, like, that it's a little bit slower than the last season. And I know it's supposed to be darker. Which reviewers is... love to critique things. <laughs> But no, like I, I'm really excited for Stranger Things season two. It's the kind of the the parts of it that I liked were like the kids going around and you know, like I don't know. I read something that it's that there's like a theory that it's going to be based on some urban legend that has to do with I forget, but we'll see. Stranger Things season two, like the yeah. the boss type. The only thing is that the thing is like the the in, not the enemy, whatever you call it, like the creature doesn't look very scary from what i've seen in the trailers that's see that's what i'm curious about like is that is is he just one or are there many like that because if you remember in the last uh, the last season they showed him when um metagorgon or whatever they call them y- yeah but when demigorgon when demigorgon. uh what the the cop and the mom were running through the woods you saw there's a couple eggs that were hatched so it made me like wonder like what else is in this this sh- yeah. shadow dimension. upside down world yeah but um you know, at the at the heart of Stranger Things, it basically is a retelling. story about Barb. Yeah, story, <laughs> story about, about Barb. Barb. That is like the internet's favorite character, though, and it's all aw- and she is awesome. Like they, that character, they, from what I understand, she reminds me of um, the character in South Park, the one where they photosh- where all the girls photoshop themselves to look hot, even though they're ugly. Oh, <laughs> the girl that they make fun of in the beginning that does it first, who has like her front like tucked into her, her shirt like tucked into her pants in the front or whatever <laughs> oh, nice. like redhead and uh yeah barb is uh, barb's a character though that you like root for and even though she's such a small like kind of character that like disappears because the... she's like that friend who's like i care about you and i don't want anything bad to happen to you <laughs> die yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, from what i understand the dad actually has like a, a pretty big role in this season because he's been which wh- dad that barb's dad what? Oh, yeah, oh I don't think. Did he, they even show the parents in the last he's season? Been, no. um, he's been like trying to find out what happened to his daughter. They showed like a scene in the trailer where that like his office has all these posters. That would make sense because I did read that like Barb won't be back, but they're going to like do justice to her or something. Okay. Right. I just assumed that meant some type of closure, but that is better sounding. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that they killed off character last season because I feel like if there were no repercussions at all or there would be like no like. Well, let's let's face it. We you know, well, we did. People did like her character because she was endearing. Uh, she wouldn't have really had a place in the rest of the season, like well, without dragging it down a little bit. Yeah, but I just think. I mean, I don't want to get too much more into this, but I, I just 
think that they need to show that there's risks. There's things at stake, and so I'm glad they did that. It's a bummer that they did it to a character who's actually like a good person, but you know that's how it's going to be a lot of stake in <laughs> Stranger Things season two. Okay, to the game of the hour, the one that we're all stoked on tomorrow. Let's just talk about the coolest things we've seen about Super Mario Odyssey since we haven't got a chance to play it yet. It drops tonight if you're getting it digitally or tomorrow. What is like, each of you just tell me one cool thing that you saw that you're like, oh, this looked really, really cool. Because I've seen way too many pictures and videos. And Mario's nipples. Like, Mario's nipples. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I mean. Now, what about you, Josh? What do you... Uh, I like the the different types of worlds that you're going through because the yeah. the last like few Mario games have been it's well it's been different it's kind of been the same but like with this you're you're in wait which ones are you referring to though yeah, Super uh, Mario 3D World actually has a pretty big variety it's just that it's it's a different feeling game yeah, yeah I'm curious which game you're actually well I mean <laughs> okay so this might be a bad uh, yeah. bad comparison the last like actual Mario game I played was Mario 64 but what that game has so much diversity when was this next one that you played that didn't have a lot of like level diversity that that game has so that literally covers every region in a game yeah is there, yeah is there a jungle in Mario 64 I don't Okay, so. so there's maybe no jungle and no so. beach, but no they forest. have they have like there's uh, kind of be- I mean there's water levels. Yeah, they have th- two or three water levels, two like fire levels, sand Ooh, level. That's right. They've got two snow levels. Clock. Yeah, I mean they have like, Do you think they will ever remaster Mario 64 for the Switch? I, Nintendo I, is the last or, company that would ever do yeah. that. Although or, it would I mean, I play it instantly, or like yeah. re-release it so you can play it like on. Well, yeah, the we'll that, see a re-release of the 64 original. I mean. We t- probably should save this for news, but we'll talk about it anyways. Uh, Nintendo, with their new update, added GameCube controller support. So a lot of people think that this might be the coming it, of GameCube games dude, and virtual the console. the internet is just on fire with speculation about this, what's going I on I read that, that that was just a, a confirmation that Smash is going to come. Which is fine with me. That game, that Smash is the best. Like, yeah. I, I'm so sad it was on Wii U where we never, we play it like two times. Because that is like the eight-player mode and all the fun. It's like so much fun. Well, if they did it for Mario Kart, like I don't see, w- it just seems like a logical decision to do it for Switch also, or I mean, uh, Bash also. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I mean, I just, this has been a crazy Brawl. week. Brawl. Brawl. Well, no, Sorry. Wii U. The last one is, oh. Wasn't it? Oh, you're talking about Melee for the what GameCube. Was, what was the one on Wii U? That was called Super Smash Bros. Wii U. Brawl oh. was the oh. Wii game that we all played. Yeah, but yeah, uh, okay. they stopped, yeah, they stopped giving it. A lot of people call it Super Smash Bros. 4. But it's just called Super Smash Bros. for Wii U or Super Smash Bros. for 3DS. Um, but no, yeah, I me personally for Super Mario Odyssey, the coolest picture I saw was today of somebody playing as a T-Rex and going through the forest like with a jump kick or something like that. Like I am so excited to explore these worlds. The hat mechanics, right? That yeah, the hat mechanics. The only frustrating thing I read, and I don't know if you guys pay attention to this in the review, is a lot of people say the best way to play is with the Joy-Con separated because there is motion control. Did read that. That's I, that, very upsetting. Yeah, and they said like the, the Pro Controller, which is my favorite to play with, is not the best way. They said it's better than handheld, which is also one of my favorite ways to play the games. But yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to play it with Joy-Con separated. I think I will literally figure out how to do it any other way because that sounds miserable. Yeah, I just also... Uh, just the fact that they're still putting motion, like motion controls are such a, you know. Connect died, man. Everybody I know, that's knows what I was going to say. It's like <laughs> Microsoft was smart. Like, oh, there's all this motion stuff no one really liked. I mean, it only and took that's, that's the same thing with Move and with yeah. Wii U. Like, it only took Microsoft I mean, like not 10 Wii U. years to seven. realize. It was seven, seven that I was around. <laughs> but it wasn't like they were, 
the first connect did really well like i man our news i'm wondering what we're gonna talk about but uh the first connect did like super duper well like it sold 25 million copies or something like that which is i think more than the move ever even got near so it was like a really really well sought after item and it was cool it didn't work all the time but it was really fun when you got to work and play games i loved the voice function in the xbox one like i still use cortana as much as she's not as good as the original xbox play xbox pause whatever um but yeah, it's it's a bummer. It's the end of an era. But uh, um, let's let's actually let's get to what we've been playing because there is still a ton more to talk about when it comes to game releases. We're at the end of the year. Um, we got some cool stuff we're working on too. Um, Donna, what you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Undertale, which I'm almost done with. Yeah, where where are you in that? That was like one of my favorite games this year. I just had uh, I just had a meal with Sands at oh, okay. the end. Okay. 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 Where he tells you knock knock jokes a lot. So that he is. He talks about the mystery door. So that is after you get the achievements for the final stretch, part three or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because that's still you've got some stuff going. Like yeah. not like a lot, a lot, a lot. Oh no, 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 you're not. Are you in the restaurant with him at the hotel? Or are you past that? I just passed that. Okay, so you're at the very, very end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you're very close. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So I'm doing that. Um, it's it's pretty great. Uh. Certain things feel like it drags on just a little bit, but yeah, I think that has to do with like no run button too. A run button would have helped that game so much, like just yeah. being able to move slightly quicker, you know. But yeah. it would have been more. Frames I think the thing that actually really makes it drag on is just unlocking the final stretch trophies, <laughs> which because I th- you're like, oh, final stretch, and then yeah. it's like three more times. Yeah. I think they put that in there as a joke, but yeah, that is like when you think you're almost done. Like I. That is another game that you've been playing. Before we get to that, though, have you played anything else before we're going to talk about the big one? Uh, a little bit of Stardew Valley. Okay. Oh, you got on Switch? Yeah. How do you like it? It's fun. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's cool. I, I'm not... Uh, that style of game isn't... You know, I'm not huge on it. Have anything else that you've played? Um, no worries if not. <laughs> Just no. for all the okay, let's let's talk to Josh because this one that you played, we'll we'll talk about quite a bit because it, it's a great game. Um, Josh, what have you been playing, man? So I like I mentioned earlier, I played a little bit of Wolfenstein. It, yeah, you know, not a lot to report on that. I did check out a Gran Turismo. one. It's not good. Yeah, it's just really That's what I've not heard. good. Like everyone was super stoked about it, and I guess I don't know. Like, is it a a main entry in people, this series? I, yeah, that's weird. I, I thought know. it was supposed to be like good again or something. Yeah, that's what a lot of people said, and then people played it, and it's like, so here's just from what I understand from stats. Forza 7 has about like 700 vehicles. Mm-hmm. Gran Turismo Sport has 150. Gran Turismo Sport also doesn't have like, a, if I'm correct, a campaign mode at all. No, it You doesn't. can only play time, like multiplayer races or like competitions at certain times of the year. Yeah, and the actual like... Um, so real girth of the game you won't doesn't you can't play till November 4th and that's like a um, when like a, a lot of the, the maps and stuff come out and the, of course the you sell like races but it yeah it's of course you sell it early then and of course it is on PlayStation so and yeah. they, this, it's the best yeah. it's it like best. this game is aimed toward like people who seriously want to take up racing for a living like you can't you can't go around and push people around and you can't like you get deck deck points like yeah, it's points, yep. 
it's like it the a big thing is like sportsmanship it's like an anti-bullying game so it's i yeah they have a, i've heard that the sportsmanship videos you have to watch like a series of them i also heard they link to youtube is that correct like you yeah. have to click on videos and it sends you YouTube. yeah it's all like you can't play this game without an internet connection what is and wrong I, this is sony in-house right yeah, I yeah. Think so. I spent about three hours playing this for the game, players, and I am I'm gonna trade it in. I'll probably trade in for Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Oh man, I just don't. I mean, I'm not a big racing game fan, anyways. But I loved like Gran Turismo one and two. I got them on PlayStation one. I I liked playing them. They were a lot of oh, fun. They were great. And like just the the way that you. Um. I mean, I didn't like the license test, but the way that it actually had like a path for you to play like single player, and you just sit there and have fun playing it. But they. They want so badly to be like different from Forza and Project Cars and stuff like that, and they, I think they just buried themselves in that attempt. All right, so what I've been playing and what Donna played a lot of is South Park Fractured Butthole. But Donna, I want you to talk about it more because you actually beat it. I only got to the bits, so I'll add where a did you bit. stop? I am right now at you store it. You store I, it? Yeah, I'm like about to. I don't okay. want to give away too much to people, but there's you, about there's, to be a conversation. There's like a whole second. Yeah, half, like not half of the game, but it's like the plot will change yeah, after I'm, this. So I I love everything I've played so far. It's just with other stuff going on right now, it's been really hard to like sit down like and just yeah. focus on it. But what do you think of it? You beat the whole game. Yeah, it was great. Um, super funny. Just it had less. It had a, actually. Well, I don't know if it had less. It definitely had some moments uh, towards the end that were like the first one where it were was they like, just crazy like spaceship. Um, yeah, not, yeah, crazy like that. It, it did feel a little less crazy. Like yeah. the, the U S government doesn't ever get involved. Oh, okay. Um, so it, there's it, no abortions. On. <laughs> there, I'm not going to say whether or not an abortion clinic is part of the game, okay. but, um, but there's no, like, there's no, like the scale is becomes very large, but it's all contained within South Park, which obviously, you yeah. know, the, the whole game of Stick of Truth stayed within South Park. But I meant the plot became like a world issue yeah. where it was like, you know, all of this, like the zombie Nazis, yeah. the zombie Nazi fetuses. And oh, then like the, so the government was involved, the Taco Bell bit and. I, um, I wish they would be willing to travel outside of South Park as well. Not because like South Park's not great and uh, there is a lot there. Okay, Canada. I don't want. Yeah, I know, but I mean, like in this new one, do similar stuff as well. Like, yeah. I feel like they must have a episode or an episode of the show where they go. Yeah, was to that a one place. where Cartman rides his big wheel to? Uh... Oh yeah, and they're trying to go get Family Guy stopped, right? Yeah. So they don't blow. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, but yeah. So so my, I guess my big. And that's not really a complaint because the it's still hilarious and it definitely. I mean, it was written by the the South Park dudes, so like. You know, yeah. it's very much true to South Park, but I think for one thing that was just so great about the Stick of Truth was it really had that like, how insane can this get South Park kind of thing? Yeah, and this true. game gets pretty insane. It just doesn't the scale, the scope does not feel, the stakes are not as high. I guess yeah. I should say, um, but it is it is pretty funny, and there's <laughs> there's a lot of funny stuff that happens at the end that are it's pretty out there, and there's a couple things where it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, I can't believe they're making me do this. If I was to pick one beef with the game, I would say it's the leveling up system. I actually think the battle system is a lot better than I worried about. I was originally worried, like, I was like, oh, this looks like it's not going to be fun. You know, how are they going to do it? I think it's pretty good. Like, mm -hmm. every battle I've played, I've enjoyed, but I don't feel it's very challenging. 
and then I feel like I, I'm only at level six. I don't know how many are rank six. I don't know how many ranks you get in the game, but it doesn't feel like well, there's many. It, so I think I'm at rank 12 or something. Okay. But you, unless this is going to be covered in DLC, which is a very yeah. much a possibility, basically you stop getting benefits for ranks at nine. Oh, you don't get any more artifacts that you can hold or whatever? No, yeah. I think you get, you have your artifacts and I think you get eight artifact slots and one DNA slot. Okay, yeah. Um, and then it, that's that's where it's at. That stops there. Oh man, um, do you get more like health or anything when you level? I don't think anything happens with rank unless I haven't been paying attention to stats. Okay. But um, see that that to me was like one of my favorite things about Stick of Truth is even though the level cap was pretty low, I want to say it was twenty. Mm-hmm. Like it was fun to like put points in the trees and yeah. do like the RPG stuff. I I don't really mind the leveling up in this game. Um, I, I think the artifact system is is definitely clever because it's a way to make fun of superhero movies. Yeah. And it, it fits in with the theme of the game pretty well. Um, the only the only complaint I have about it is that it's less it seems less flexible because you start to have like power ratings, like where quests will say like, Oh, you need to be or might ratings. You need to have like five hundred might to really do well in this quest, which is not it's not so rigid that like you can't like yeah, I went into one pretty severely underpowered and didn't realize it, and almost came out on top. So it's definitely possible with like the right strategy and items and stuff. Um, but the thing is, the thing that I don't love so much is that it's hard to because you have to choose artifacts, and the stuff, the end game stuff that you find is good, and then the other things are really expensive. Like you don't make a lot of money in this game. I think in the entire like at the end of the game, I think I have maybe two hundred dollars. And there's artifact recipes that cost $80 and then the components cost $10. And it's like, is there a way to farm money? In this not that I've found. It? And there's also mm. like, like to take a picture with, there's like, I, you, there's someone has a death warrant out for you at some point in the game. And the only way to like take a selfie with that person is you have to buy the contract and it's $5,000. Oh, wow. And then okay. I've never even had very much money in the game. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I've had, I think total, I've probably had like $500 in the entire game that wow. I've spent. Yeah. Um, so I think like right now I th- want to say my, in my wallet is like 180. Oh. And, and I don't spend it on much. Like I yeah. buy, you know, things and then same like for the raisins girls to take the selfies with them. You have to buy the passes that are 40 bucks each. Oh man. So it's like, I, I'm not quite sure that I understand that unless there is a way to farm money that I've completely overlooked. There, maybe there's like oh, I don't even know. There I mean, is a bank mini game, but I think you. I've only done it once because it was part of the story. Okay. Um, and I only I think I made like a hundred dollars out of it or something. But it was it very long or no? No, it wasn't very long, but it's all chance, so you can oh okay. bankrupt yourself. Oh, um, okay. It's a gambling type mechanic. Yeah, but uh, but maybe maybe it'll be different. Like maybe you know they left things like that so that there's more to do when DLC comes out. They're definitely going to go elsewhere from South Park in a DLC. Oh, Um, okay. So some of the stuff you see on the map, you don't get to actually explore in the game. You can go everywhere on the map you can go to. Even the stuff on the backs of the map. Do you know what I mean? So top left is is like the last big dungeon in the game. Top right, you can't actually go to the place, but you can go. (laughs) I want to spoil this because it's just so funny. It's not. It's not a story thing. Okay. Okay. What is it? What is it? Uh, 
a Trump style wall has been built in front of a northern bordering nation. Oh, uh, so, <laughs> nice. of course. So when you go to that bordering nation, <laughs> there's just a guy sitting on top of the wall saying you can't come in, but maybe for a DLC. Yeah, I oh. love I love that. I, I totally forgot about that episode that that's where the wall of uh, the douche is being built yeah. uh, to stop Canadians from coming in. <laughs> So, oh man. So yeah. So it's not really a spoiler because no. it's in an episode. But yeah. So they they just the guy says like I don't know maybe a maybe a DLC like that kind of thing in their Canada voices. Oh um, man. So you can explore everywhere that you can see on the map. Um, there's a couple. I mean, I, there's a couple side quests. I haven't found all the Yowie. I haven't found all the member berries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those aren't missable. I haven't like gone online. I don't to think read, so. But. Um, but um. Yeah, the game is the game is still overall pretty great. I'm assuming because there is there doesn't seem for a crafting level yeah. and for um rank there hasn't been a cap so far. Okay. Like I think I've passed crafting level 20. Oh wow, okay. I can't find materials anymore like glue and I'm not going to spend money on it cuz I don't have that much. So. Oh, glue, but glue's only like 50 cents. Yeah, I know. I probably should. I just yeah, can't I, That's craft like what stuff. I've spent my money on is things like glue. Yeah, cuz it's just you just I just go and buy ten or fifteen, and you don't find many of them. Yeah, you know, like you find very few. But you find the main comp- the main components that are really costly, like all the scrap. You find millions of. So yeah, man, um, that game is so funny. I mean, even just the first night, uh, and this a lot of people talk about this for the strip club that you go to, is just the dumbest, funniest. Like <laughs> some of the battles there are amazing. I just oh, yeah. ha- I have a quick question. Yeah. Um. So I haven't played this game yet. I I want to play it. But it's how great. how does the gameplay work? Do you pick a team of people, or are you just playing it, by yourself and you join ba- up with it's people? It's like um. So there is uh, parts of the story that determine what people you have available to play. Um. With the obvious, you know, fact that at the end of the game you can have everyone. Um. But. Um. What it basically works is whoever's available, you have, uh, you know, for the early parts of the game, you don't have much to choose from or any choices to make because it's just like you basically in combat, you can fight with four people, including yourself. Um, do you pick them or is it just a well in, the, who's in, in where? the earlier parts of the story? You don't really pick them because you just have four people basically. Um, but then as it goes on, you pick you pick everyone at the start of every combat. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, and still even where I am, which I would say probably is halfway point because I'm at second night. Yeah. Um, you still have like at least one locked party member, and then you have like th- two you can choose from, and at the pools maybe like four people total, so I could maybe switch out two people. How do time. how do deaths work though? Do you have like HP or yeah, you have HP, it? but it's not permanent or anything. You okay, just, it's permanent. <laughs> permanent. Yeah, permanent South Park. And so my last question: Can you revive people like if they? Yes. Get out? Okay. Um, you don't need to though. At least in my experience, I only fought one battle where I ever revived someone. But I know it gets harder later. I revive people a lot. There's a couple battles where if you just ma- if you make one wrong move, you will spend time reviving people um, where it's like, oh, you forgot to move your character and then now you have to revive them. But when the, the thing that, that I would really complain about is that there's not like a very good, like so far I can't craft like good revives. So when you revive someone, they come back with 20 HP yeah, and that's, are that's immediately why, uh, attacked. 
Yeah, that's why um, I don't think it's useful to revive. Normally, I would yeah. just finish if I if there's like one guy left, I just finish yeah. the battle. Because why? There's a couple things like there's achievement. There's an achievement I got for having everyone die except for one person and finishing oh, wow. a battle. I got that one too on Sheila. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's things like that that make it fun. A hard one that I got really easily, but there's only a couple battles where it's that easy to get. Yeah. Uh, is if you do the uh, time fart pause where you can go punch people yeah. in battle if you finish a battle that way. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's a cool way because that way is actually kind of fun. Like yeah. I would use that normally early on. I'll just try to just save do it on a battle with only one person in it. Oh, and then just kill them. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, Let's start. There's a couple battles where you help the police arrest people. Yeah. Where there's very low HP, you could do it in one move. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so. Okay. I need to. Uh, oh man, I can't wait for that. I think that's later on this night, or maybe the the it's final. The, I think it's the next day. Oh, the next day. Yeah. Um, let's start talking about the news because there's a ton of it. Um, the coolest, one of the coolest pieces of news that happened this week was the original Xbox, the one back in 2001. I want to say maybe 2002. Um. The, a lot of like 12 or 13 games are now backwards compatible on Xbox One. Like, and some of those games are great, like Ninja Gaiden Black, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Crimson Skies. Like, yeah, that's a Knights of the Old Republic. That's freaking awesome. And it's cool. Like, you can put, go on the store right now and buy the games for 10 bucks. And I haven't, I'm going to pick up Ninja Gaiden Black soon. I haven't got to try it, but I heard it has widescreen support. I've heard they run really well. Like, it's just such a cool goodwill thing. Do you guys have any old original Xbox games you guys are looking to try out? So my, we've already talked about this briefly, yeah. but I'm gonna make sure I talk about it now to interrupt yeah. Josh. Okay. Who really looked like he was about to say something. <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> he like, he like leaned in with this yeah. smile, and I was like, "Wait, <laughs> not uh, gonna happen this time, bro, Chacho." <laughs> uh, we talked about Marwind, which yeah. seems, I think it's suspicious that it wasn't released right away. Mm. Suspicious of maybe that Bethesda. It's gonna hold let them because they're going to do something to just make us pay full price for it again. Yeah, which I could see. Which could be good. I mean, hey, if they if they even put Morrowind in the Skyrim engine, I mean, there's been there's been fan projects for years. There's the Cyrodiil one. Skywind is that Skywind the one? is yeah. the one. That's Morrowind. That's and the Skyrim. newest one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's the one for Morrowind and Elder Scrolls Four also. Yeah, the Oblivion one. Um, oh, that's one of the. Sorry, real quick. That is one of the games that's getting an upgrade, like for the Xbox One X. Oh, Elder Scrolls Four. Yeah, Oblivion. Oh, yeah, I cool. totally forgot. Oblivion is is really unbalanced at the end because of the yeah. leveling mechanics. But man, it's a pretty fun. Yeah, game. it's a great game. Oh, I yeah, just ha- cool. I hated like the Oblivion gates themselves, but otherwise I love the game. The problem with the Oblivion gates is just the fact that you could continuously get levels after your stats capped out. Yeah, and it was a it's a terrible system because you can't. It's like if you max out your strength but you keep getting levels up, the monsters get exponentially stronger, Dude. but your strength doesn't. So yeah. you, you, I just ended up after I those, missed the oblivion yeah. gates became for me to beat the game and stuff. Cause you have to do yeah. so many of them. They became like stealth missions. Yeah. For, I, I would just run through yeah. them. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Destroy them and then I, I would run, run away. I wouldn't fight anybody. I would yeah. run through till the very last place you'd have to go to. And then just, I think you just had to hit the like eye or whatever it was in the middle a bunch of times. The I'd go there. I'd eye. smash like as many times as I could use all. But yeah, after my first playthrough where I literally had to abandon the character later because I wasn't doing the Oblivion Gates full time. Second one, I just, all I did was mainline the story. <laughs> So I could do like all that stuff first, yeah. just because of that. The coolest thing about Oblivion, <coughs> besides, um, actually, is the is the uh, 
DLCs, man, they had killer DLCs. Yeah. Knights of the Knights Nine. Of Nine. That part, that like epic battle in the sky. And Shivering Isles. <laughs> Shivering Isles was like that bizarre Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, man, that, that was, was cool. awesome. Yeah, that was, I th- I actually, weirdly enough, I loved the, uh, the Oblivion one, but I don't even think I played the Skyrim DLCs. Like I should. I but. played all of them. They're, they're, they're cool. Okay, yeah. I I've, I've heard the main one is the best, like the Dragonborn? third. Yeah, but yeah. the first one, the vampire one is whatever. Yeah. Um whatever. so what what game are you looking forward to, Josh? Original Xbox game. There's two, but they probably won't like I would love to see these on the uh be re- or not remastered, but uh backwards compatible is yeah. uh there's one called Armed and Dangerous. Did you guys ever play that? No. And you had like a there's that this sounds familiar. I, I do. I can't even remember who made it, but it's they have this like rocket launcher that fires out sharks, and they go under the ground and they come up and eat your opponents. Armed and dangerous is it a multiplayer game? Or no, like? it's it's a single player game. But it, it was. I remember it being really funny to play. Like it was the first time I'd, I'd like um, that Borderlands style gameplay that I had seen that. And uh, the other one was. Do you guys remember a game called Advent Rising? It was made by Glyph. Yeah, I never Glyph got to play it. It's uh, it was a famous author, right? He uh, he wrote the story for it. Right, and they were. It was supposed to be Advents that take place. Advents and they rise. <laughs> yes, and they rise. And oh, I'm looking. Iron Man Dangerous now. Er, Donna, you've probably seen that one for sure. The guy with the robot. It's like an old. Uh, yeah. You guys played it, dude. It's, no, I have It's not. a lot of fun. But um, back to Advent Rising. That was supposed to be a major franchise for X or Microsoft, and then they closed down production. Yeah, that. I'm curious who that author is now. Do you remember? It was. Uh, let me see. I'm like looking it up. Orson Scott Card. Of oh course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy yeah. who did. Uh, That's right. Um, Ender's, Ender's game. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was. It looked really cool too, but it came out like the end of the original Xbox life cycle, so I never played it. Yeah. So they, because um, they had a whole the, the the next game was like they were working on. It's called going to be called Advent Shadow, and they never released it because I think uh, Glyph X, the studio that made it, shut down. Yeah. I mean, it was a Majesco publisher published game, so yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Majesco doesn't exist yeah. anymore either. So I would love to see that come back yeah. in, in some form what was the forgotten realms game that was on demon stone i think oh, that, oh i can't remember they had a you know it's the, like a hack and slasher rpg kind of deal um they originally had some pretty great rpgs on original xbox i mean it was nothing compared to like the playstation 2 which well, was because what was they with well but the thing is is the playstation 2 didn't have any Western really style RPGs. Yeah. And the Xbox didn't have any, obviously, any Japanese style RPGs. Like, I wanted to play. Did you guys, do you guys remember a game called Sudeki? Sudoku? No, Sudeki. Let me see. It's like blue haired chick and it's like a third person action RPG. Sudeki? Yeah. Like here. Maybe that that picture looks more familiar. I always wanted to play this because, like, the battles would have, like... You uh, thought she was hot. That's exactly it, bro. Um, no, the battles could be fought in, like, third person or first person. And, like, there was, like, shooting. It looked really, really cool. I yeah. never never ended up getting into it. The original Xbox just it had a lot of great games. But I also... A lot of people started playing World of Warcraft at the time. So I kind of... Like, I remember trading Doom 3 in, which I never have played yet, for um, World of Warcraft. Yeah. Like, so I ended up playing that and... But the game I I love the most, I think, that I really, really, really hope goes backwards compatible is uh, Jade Empire. Yeah. I think that's probably See, the best Bioware yeah. RPG. I would hope they enhance that. I hope they do, too, because it might not hold up really well. But honestly, like looking back, it's either that or the original Mass Effect that are my favorite Bioware RPGs. Like, 
Dragon Age, the first one comes pretty close, but I I, I think it's maybe uh, it's yeah, maybe Dragon two. Age would be up there for me. The yeah. Mass Effect one, Mass Effect one to me is like Assassin's Creed one, except that Mass Effect two and three are awesome, and Assassin's <laughs> Creed two is awesome, but yeah. three is not. Yeah, I mean, um, and. I mean, now they're both kind of torn. torn, Like, I guess in the end, Assassin's Creed had the last laugh because the last Mass Effect was so bad. We'll see if they're able to recover from that ever. Also, I read somewhere that in the new Assassin's Creed, not to backtrack, but something we didn't bring up is that they were going for some sort of Witcher 3. The side quests are better than the main story bit. That's what they were supposed to do with Mass Effect also. Everybody tries to do this, and they can't ever seem to pull it off. Like... I think the reason why Witcher does it so well is because they have such a big world to pull from because that writer probably wrote like, I don't know, six books or something like that. There's there's more than six. There's okay. a lot of books. I, so he has they have a lot of like backstory and lore. Six. I think there's like six main books. Yeah. And then there's like a bunch of side they, books. I know they had some uh, they had some issues with like uh, contracts and stuff. Do they still get access to his newer stuff? Can they base? No, no. There's no off? issues with the contract. The writer signed away the contract for all of his books be made into games for just a small and upfront payment instead of getting royalties. games take place outside yeah. of the books, though? Okay. Like, as far as... But there are stories, I guess, that are kind of taken... That are, that are connected. Because yeah. I know he's super bitter about it. Yeah, well, because he did, he hates video games, and he was didn't realize Witcher 3. And, you know, if Witcher 1 and Witcher 2, he's probably like, yeah, whatever. Witcher 2 was big, but, like, Witcher 3 is the one that they now have, like, money to make games, you know? Right. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I any other big original Xbox games that you guys are like, man, I would kind of go back and play this. Because I, I know for... I don't do it very often because PlayStation 4 charges a lot of money for their PS2 enhanced games, but um, like 15 to $25 for those. Mm-hmm. But like those that I have a lot of fond memories of that console generation. You have the yeah. PS2, GameCube, original Xbox. I still have Xbox. most of my PS2 games. Um, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I wish I could get all of those like Radiata Stories and stuff like that. Yeah, but I never sold those because well, I had. Yeah, I have those two. I just don't really have the means or energy to put like plug in the PlayStation Two, find the old game. You know, like yeah. I wish they were more accessible. That's why I'm loving what Microsoft is doing now, and I'm hoping they this goodwill brings some sales because I want to have this console that I can always go and like, oh, I want to play this old game. Sure, I'll show a friend. You know, like this is the game. And now, yeah. now say we ever, I know we're working on some stuff with Super. Yeah, say we want to stream an old game. That's really easy. Like, you can just do it from your Xbox One. Yeah. You know, like, this isn't like, oh, we got to plug this thing through this and do this and do that. Um, yeah, definitely. I um, I can't think. Because, um, like, the other ones I was thinking of are, like, Metal Arms. It's like a, it's like a third-person action shooter type thing. Metal Arms glitch in the system. And there was... Um, I love this game. I know everyone else hated it. It was called Brute Force. <laughs> like, it had, like, four-person co-op before that was, like, ever a common thing. Um, and it's, like, third-person, like, shooting game. And it, it was it was so cool, I thought, at the time. Obviously, it's, you know, not held up well. But it was, it was, it was a ton of fun. Um, I'm just happy this is something that exists because we don't you know we have not had the pc lifestyle where we can play games in the past um any other big news stories this week that have caught your guys eyes the the nintendo one backing the gamecube controllers and then they added video which is cool to some games on their console but yeah that's cool um can we talk a minute about visceral games oh wow i forgot that happened recently 
frick. Yeah, this has been a crazy video game. Because I wanted to, to discuss this with you guys really bad. Do you think yeah. that this is going to be the end? Like, they're trying to bring about the end of single-player gaming? I like, mean, I think they pretty much stated that they're done with single-player games. That reminds me, in the credits of South Park, Yeah, there is a section of people... And, like, you know, it's like, oh, art development or whatever, you know, like coding and all that stuff. There's a section of people that just is under games as a service. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what they're going to do with that. Maybe they're going to add, like, Halloween-themed things on Halloween and stuff like that. Who who knows? I mean, I'm okay with games as a service in a lot of ways, but... Yeah, I think Final Fantasy XV does a good job of that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We also have to talk about that soon, too, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about Visceral, because this is... uh, this is crazy, man. They literally stated, like, they didn't state in these exact same words, but, like, we're pretty much done with single-player games. We're going to do multiplayer-only games because we love loot boxes. They didn't say that exact this same, is, but... This is the thing with that, though. Like, the, it sounds like they want everything going forward to be a Destiny-style game, but when, why wouldn't we this just... This is EA. EA, yeah. Why wouldn't we just go and play Destiny? Like, I think they're, they're well, over... Destiny's from Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Or not and Activision I, Blizzard. Uh, and Activision also, it's Des- Destiny doesn't have that much content, man. Like, they are trying to make their own Destiny anthem. So, that's right. like, it's... I, I don't know. Like, I... Yeah, that's the worst thing. I mean... I f- I think they're overestimating the market for that, though, the desire for it. I, I think there's a lot of people out there, though. I'm not one of them, but the Destiny 2 fan club is pretty big i want to say it sold a, a good amount of copies can you can we just dream for a minute back in the time when bioware went up for sale and yeah. microsoft almost bought them that would have been awesome that man. would have been so much better oh, i mean man. not not i mean it's cool i mean i don't really have anything against multi-platform so no, no, it's no, cool no. that yeah, other it's... people can play bioware games um you, you never know though microsoft might have allowed it like minecraft is on every console and microsoft owns them too yeah. you know so like it's true um but man, if the like if Dragon Age comes out and it's a multiplayer game, like the next like it, it can't be. So it's it will, but I'm curious how much of the single player they'll retain. You know, yes. like it has to be multiplayer. That, now. They pretty much said. I just don't think it's gonna be. It, hopefully they'll make it as cool as they possibly can. I don't EA know what they'll is the do. Worst. I mean, Activision is the worst, but EA yeah, is the they're worst. They're pretty that bad. Because yeah, like Bioware games, like Dragon Dragon Age, like they're fun because you can. They had an immersive story. You could play them by yourself, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. sound like we're going to be getting that anymore. They don't care though. Like EA is like Budweiser. They buy up like a craft brewery for the name, and then they just replace it with shitty beer. Yeah, and yeah. It's. I, I get that they have like shareholders and they're a massive company. They got to be very careful what they do. But I don't know how Nintendo gets away with it because they have shareholders too that hate video games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I don't. You know, I think the way Nintendo gets away with this, occasionally they'll release a console like the Switch and it will sell, you know, bonanza amount of money. So. And like de- the Dead Space franchise, like that. Yeah, they, man. That's they the, well, they killed that too. And people re- loved those yeah, games. Yeah, they like that kind of redefined the, the action horror. horror genre of gaming. And yeah, it followed the Resident Evil 4 kind of uh, format. Just and, as a quick aside, yeah. um, not because anyone that's part of this cast texted us this is a completely (laughs) original thought here um i just want to thank the listeners for recent ratings and i want to encourage you to keep rating and reviewing the show again we will actually thank people seriously that was my idea i was not we will not messaged by an absent member yeah we will not our board we will also thank thank again yes we we really do thank you guys we will thank more at the end too um that was awesome though um 
Yeah, it's it is. I'm bummed. You know, like not only did probably several hundred people lose their jobs, which is sad, but um, a game that sounded really cool, just like Star Wars 13. 13 I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading the Jason Schreier book. How is that? It's really good. Jason, I, we love you. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, we're hoping someday we can maybe talk to you. But um, we you know, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and he got to talk to people about that game. I haven't got to that story yet, but the game, the book's awesome because he talks about different uh, game stories and development. But it's Star Wars 1313 was like a cool idea, and they abandoned it. And so we thought, oh, this visceral one, they're going to, yeah, it's going to be an Uncharted-like game, but it'll be cool. It'll be a Star Wars universe set first, per- or not first person, single-player game. Mm-hmm. And now we no longer have those dreams. Like the right, best the project is being moved somewhere else, right? I think they're, they're scrapping no, they're, that one. They're, oh. I, I hear that they're taking the stuff that they can keep, but they want to turn it into a more like multiplayer-esque Lord. type game. And this yeah, leads bummer. me... So there's a lot of Star Wars games that were very fun to play just by yourself. So you had like... Yeah. Uh, what's the Shadows Jedi, of the Shadows Empire. Of the, Empire. Yeah. Yeah. the Jedi, Jedi Knight Academy was cool. Some of those ones. Um, and Knights of the Old Republic Knights that we just mentioned. Knights of the Old Republic was like especially. The- but that just goes to show you that we're not going to get any story heavy star wars well, games probably ever again till 2020 or 2022 that's when their license runs out hopefully they won't get a renew and hopefully somebody else will buy it because they and that's the only thing we can hope they bid hard for that star I'm, wars i'm hoping like i mean we talk about this all the time just because we do really like microsoft and how much like fan goodwill they're creating i would love it if microsoft bought the star wars rights i doubt they will um i think it's only gonna be a giant publisher who will make tons of money but We'll we'll see. I mean that maybe it'll be Square. That would be can, cool. Can you imagine? Square because Square partnered. Square got Marvel. I yeah, mean, it's, I well, don't think I don't know if it's exclusive, but they no. It's it's. I forgot how they're sending it, but they're doing different games are going to different studios for Marvel. But it's under Square. Yeah, and it's like a it's like a Square overseen project. Now here's our hope that it's good Square and not iOS Square. <laughs> didn't, <laughs> We're not, yeah. didn't Square recently say something that they're rethinking their approach to games because of the the big multiplayer loot? I, yeah, I don't think so. No, I, think they, I hope been, not. They randomly say stuff like that yeah. all the time. They keep yeah. switching their narrative. Like, oh, Bravely Default. Now we realize that people like this. Oh, this. Now we realize it's like yeah. whatever they're, is doing well the at the time. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> just don't trust Square to do anything. If they make good <laughs> games, awesome. You know, like Project Octopath looks amazing. Uh, we played it. We like it. So I mean, it's, it's going to be scrapped for a multiplayer, sixteen <laughs> bit RPG you play with loot, loot boxes. Yeah. All eight players, you might run into each other, but we can't guarantee. A no Man's Sky, you maybe will run into each other on another planet. Two people <laughs> within one day yeah. show each other going to the same planet. No, no one's there. Yeah. <laughs> Square um, Square is like is like the Beatles and if in the Beatles assuming they were still all still alive and together, they're seeing now that mainstream music that's popular is terrible dance and rap music. Yeah. That's true. Um yeah, and they're like, "Oh, well let's just do this for a while cuz this is successful." And then after everyone hates what they do, they're like, oh, we realize now that people just like the Beatles playing rock music. Yeah, it's one of those things where, and I don't want to uh, get off too far off track, but that is a great analogy. Like, I would be kind of worried if the Beatles were still doing music today because I I think that they might try. Yeah, to if do all four of them were stuff. still doing music doing music that'd be creepy because two of them are dead yeah well no i mean like if they were still like i just i would be worried that they would try to do like the cold play thing where like oh you have some good I mean, early albums and then hey, because you make tons no of other crap i mean paul mccartney still that. puts out records and they're basically i mean they they just all have paul mccartney sound yeah i know but i just 
I there are so many bands nowadays who like they like I mean David Bowie was the one person who I felt like did it successfully. He would try different genres, but most of the time they'd it'd be successful and cool, Cause you he, know. Because he approached everything very avant garde seeming, so it yeah. was like it was never like oh here's like David Bowie's like rap single. Yeah. It was like here's like a really weird. That's what made him popular though, yeah. and so endearing. His rap yeah. single, not his rap. yeah, his rap <laughs> single. But you the, that the fact Man. that he. <laughs> He's played on all sorts of radio stations, you know? It's yeah, well, he's got tons style. of genre. He's yeah. genre bending for sure. But, um, yeah, going to multiplayer games, though, in Square, uh, Comrades got delayed till next month. The Final Fantasy XV yeah. online multi. I'm curious. I'm assuming it's because it's not, like, finished and they have more to work on. But it was yeah. supposed to come out, like, this Halloween or, like, yeah. right now, they, too. They only delayed it, I mean, like, I a think, week, I think. You know, a couple weeks. A couple weeks. Yeah. When they get it right, I don't. I don't... I'm not completely like terrified of the idea of Square making multiplayer games yeah. because Square Square with a couple of the companies the only problem with Square for this is that they get it wrong occasionally but they are amazing at world creation. Their yeah. narrative abilities have plummeted a little bit um over the last decade or so. Not so I mean you know, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen a. There hasn't been the really only real low point for me is Final Fantasy Thirteen too. But yeah. Um, but what I'm saying You've is never that they talked about they, how much I hate <laughs> that game. I know, but they they um the main thing I hate about that game <laughs> is just <laughs> that it made me it like I because of that. This is for you, Dave. I was stuck playing through it. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like you already committed. Yeah. Um. But um. What I was gonna say is that they they I mean if there's gonna be a game I mean like Final Fantasy fourteen, it's a it's a really cool world to play through. And it's why I always pick that over like a well, I wouldn't say it's mechanically superior now, but like I played Final Fantasy eleven for a while. And War, World of Warcraft is easily like a better, more fluid game, but the world of Final Fantasy eleven is far more interesting to me than Blizzard Worlds. Because I just, yeah. I'm not very interested in and Blizzard it Worlds. It looks cooler. Yeah. But that's the that's the thing. So, Square there's is potential for that kind of thing because they do create really cool worlds. Um, same even with like a much smaller company like Mistwalker. Yeah. I mean that guy he creates really freaking cool worlds. Yeah. Like all like there's not a single game he's made, even if the game is just okay. Um, there's not a single like RPG style game that he's made where the world at least isn't awesome. Well, yeah, like Final Fantasy 15 multiplayer to me. Seems like it could be really cool because did you guys do the Adam Antoys fight in uh, 15? Like no, I haven't done it. It's stupid long and not very fun to be honest. But if you had friends, like if you had friends doing like you know co-op with, it would probably be a lot more enjoyable because the well, main reason why it's boring is you can't you need to like target points and you can't control all of the guys at once. Will so, they give you that kind of accessibility though? To we'll we'll the, see. I mean, if they follow I don't think the, that, I don't think that the multiplayer is going to invade the single player no, no, part of Final Fantasy. No, 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 no. But I mean, like, if you can do, if they make fights like that yeah. in the multiplayer, like, and if they make like, I don't know what the multiplayer is yet. I didn't play the beta, but if it is hunts and things that are kind of fun to do, yeah, it could be fun to level up a and character and play with your friends. That's that is kind of the, one of the big things with this kind of games as a service era is that a lot of a lot of the games that are really compelling you know like it's like it's like this games as a service like in final fantasy 15's case it's cool even if you like final fantasy 15 has a really cool world you yeah. know even if yeah, the yeah. story is messy yeah um 
you I know, didn't, the, I didn't get a chance to redo the. They changed some of the chapters too. We haven't even talked about whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't change them. They added to them. Yeah, but I haven't. I haven't even done yeah. that stuff. Either. Um, but continue. But yeah, it's a really cool world. It's yeah. very. It's like intentionally modern, but yeah. with all of the fantasy elements, it's very cool in that sense. The lore is crazy, but not in a Kingdom Hearts way. Yeah. Um, well, and everybody's heartlesses of each yeah. other. <laughs> everyone, everyone is just King Noctis split <laughs> yeah. into three. And this is his heartless. This is his nobody. This is this his, his heartless is nobody. <laughs> yeah. What was the unversed version? Did they have any of Sora's? <laughs> I don't remember because the unversed was <laughs> the dumbest was thing dumb. ever. Guys, you are not convincing me to play these games. I keep debating it in my mind. No, Kingdom Hearts is, is a lot of fun to play. You just kind of, as you get older and older, the, the narrative is harder and harder to stomach, but yeah. the gameplay is it's still just, fun. It's, it's like Kingdom Hearts is like the loot boxes of narrative. It's like <laughs> oh, just it. constantly like it's instead of spreading out the plot and keeping it simple and effective and clean. <laughs> yeah, simple and clean. Actually, that's good. Um, it's just like, how can we condense it all into this crazy, like, you know, like so, oh. so much going on at once. Yeah. Like Cartman's uh, Cartman. Oh, you haven't seen the, the updated one, but Cartman's like chalkboard okay, well, of like the franchises in yeah. South Park of like how to have like phase one, two and three of their superhero franchise. <laughs> Does he change it throughout the game? Cause I know, okay. but I, yeah, I, I won't say anything more. Um, but uh, just like all of the like, okay, your your movie goes here, and yeah. the this movie goes here, this and the like all the special. circles, and <laughs> like that's like what Kingdom Hearts is. Yeah, that is. Um, it's a di- It's like a weird chart of this is the story. It somehow connects to this person here. Um, no, I I am excited for Final Fantasy Fifteen multiplayer. It may actually make me double dip and get on Xbox since that's what you guys have it on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think it could be done Plus, really well. Xbox One X enhancements probably come into the... Yeah, I, that's something we should at least discuss. I want to get one, but I cannot, in my right mind, pay 500 for it. I'm going to at least wait for a $100 price drop. To, well, to, in order to fully experience... Like, I know, Donna, you said you, you got a new TV. That's pretty sick. But I, for the rest of us, like we have to actually well, to fully experience what the Xbox One X has to offer. But they, like, the key word there is fully because it will still perform better. Yeah, they will. Well, I forgot is, what it's called. It's not called downscaling it's called up sampling or something like is, that is it, there a it takes your 4k down to 10 though, like when well you from what from what they've said and what i'm going to watch youtube videos to check is they've said it will increase like load time speeds which to me is one of the biggest things ever increase frame rate in games which is huge like you'll notice that on a 1080p tv as well like you'll see less chugging and a lot of other things and to me that's worth it enough i don't own a 4k tv I don't even graphically games are at a point now where they're already so good looking. I don't even know if I really care too much. Like, I mean, I say that every time and then games get better and better looking, but I, if it increases the frame rate and increases the loading times where I'm not waiting two to three minutes to get through things to me, that's already worth the purchase. I almost bought a, uh, a solid state drive to plug into the Xbox years ago for fallout four. Cause I just couldn't stand the load times. So, I'm gonna watch some videos and see what people like, you know, show against original Xboxes and and that. But yeah, I think for for me as with an Xbox One S, uh, it's a little bit of a of a wait. Like yeah, harder okay. sell. Right. It's not. A, I don't. I wouldn't say it's a harder sell because I think the enhancements are going to be worth it. Um, but it's more of like a 
Like I, it's not going to be like I'm not day one rushing out or anything like that. But yeah. it's a, but it's like a definite buy at some point. Yeah, for me, like with my original Xbox One, where they don't, I th- you know, they had some controller connectivity issues where like if you sometimes if you leave the controller off for a certain amount of time, it doesn't connect to the system. And like I had a buddy who had that, and he bought Xbox One S, and I guess that never happens on the S. Yeah, I've never even heard of that. Um, yeah, it's it happens quite a bit. So I have to plug in the controller to get the system to recognize it at all. Okay. Um. Yeah, like it's. I want to get an Xbox One X. It's smaller. It's better looking. Like it ru- supposedly runs faster. But five hundred dollars. I remember getting the original Xbox One, and then in March it was four hundred with Titanfall and Connect. And I'm like, I am an idiot. I got it just four months ago or five months ago with no games for yeah. five hundred dollars. But this is definitely more on the power heavy end of consoles. Yeah, since it's the most powerful console, so. I don't know. I don't know what kind of price drops or bundles will deal. The main thing for me, because I have an Xbox One S, the trade-in value is pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably I, stay. I probably don't. Decent. Can't even get 150 for mine so probably at this point. That will definitely lower the price of an Xbox One X for me. I just hope that in doing that, because the the main thing I'm worried about is getting one and then transferring everything over to it. Well, do you have your games on an external drive? I think I have like. 90% of them on okay. external drive. So then all you do is just unplug and then push in. And the Xbox is so like smart with the stuff. As long as you log in, I think it even saves all of your save data too. So you just go in and download real quick and you're done. Do you have to do the cloud? Because I know on the 360... You didn't, you don't, in the 360, you had to manually add to yeah, the cloud. The Xbox One, everything is added oh, to their okay. cloud storage. Because okay, I, so. I know game saves are on the actual Xbox as well. And, yeah. and they're added to a cloud system. Okay, so cool. the yeah, Microsoft did something awesome, whereas like PlayStation, to get that cloud functionality, you have to be a PS Plus member. Like it's not available to people who aren't that. Whereas I believe for Xbox, you just it just that's what they do. They own a ton of cloud services, so yeah. they're able to do that. Um, is there any other news? I mean, this has already been like a mega episode for us. Uh, I, Shin Megami Tensei. Oh, totally forgot about that. Yeah, that looks Switch awesome. Does look cool. I will probably pass. I'm just not sold on those games. I mean, it's still a year out, man. You never know. Like it might yeah, look really it's cool. It's true. Because um, I got four, and I didn't play much of it, but I did enjoy the eight hours or so I put into it. I I put in like an hour, and I did not really. I just didn't yeah. want to do it at the end. At the end, when it when it when it's like, once the game was out long enough and you could have it summed up to you, it's like this is a hundred hour game where yeah. it's mostly grindy and it's this. It's it just was kind way of like a, it, it it's actually feels really good and stress relieving to just get rid of the game and be like this is no longer on my backlog. Yeah. Um, what do you? Okay, so that news real quick because this is something we've brought up like a billion times on this podcast. Who's buying Skyrim on Switch? Because I'm I'm leaning towards getting that. Me, I'm not. You're not gonna get it. No, I don't. I, I, I don't think know. I have to get it. I want to play it again. If I was gonna go. get Skyrim again, I'd get the enhanced. But you can't. Yeah. Like I I, go, I agree with you in a lot of ways because it's better looking. I hated. It, I didn't like playing Zelda on handheld mode. Really? Yeah. I played. Tons That's why I stopped of playing that. it when I, I was in the hospital. I like. Yeah. Well, I like being I, able to play on the go. But for Skyrim, like I'm gonna buy it, but I'm probably only going to play it if I'm traveling. Really? I see Skyrim for me like Skyrim I, is just like the last kind of game I want to play handheld. So the hard thing for me is I'm not sure if I'm gonna day one buy it or wait for a significant sale because I've already bought it like. I feel like twice now, I'm sure. You know what would just... be the greatest thing of all time is if Dragon Quest XI comes to Switch 
and I, I the think docked version is the high graphic version uh-huh. when you pull it out it's the it's the oh, that'd be really cool the only negative with that would be like what if you want to play it on the go but in the like the better i mean i agree with you though that would be a really cool like that would idea. just be like a hilariously cool feature yeah um, yeah if they actually literally could change the whole game and undocked yeah. or dock but i i sat down when because on xbox they had like a play skyrim remastered for free for yeah, like yeah, a week for or weekend. something yeah they do that all the time there's so many good games that they'll let you play I, I played it and it was just it was rad and i also didn't really want to play it yeah so i I, I don't have i don't feel the need like my my backlog like every gamer's backlog is still yeah, pretty significant mine is stupid as well so it's like i don't want to play skyrim on like just on the switch to play it on the go yeah um i played skyrim to death and i've done everything in skyrim except for base building because that's bull, but yeah. Um, well, we we mentioned this on Mini BS, but the week it comes out is like stupid. It comes out where Doom comes out the tenth of November, uh, L.A. Noir Remastered comes out the fourteenth of November, and Skyrim's the seventeenth. All for Switch. Man, there's another game that was like it was like a moment in my life where I'm like, you know LA what? Noir? If I sell this game, I won't feel bound to playing it yeah. one day. <laughs> did you you did play a lot of it? I though, played right? yeah, I played it for a few hours. How I was just, it? I'm not gonna get it, but I was just, I'm just curious. I just like am not a fan of Rockstar games. Really, I love Rockstar games. The thing that I didn't, what that but didn't interest I me. I did not play Red Dead Redemption. Okay, that game's great. So I won't, I won't say because it looks cool. Yeah. But like, I've never really liked any Grand Theft Auto besides Vice City. Yeah. And Vice City was amazing. There's soundtrack. not really a lot of variation in Rockstar games. No, it's there's just, not. But they're all fun and they're well they're, made. Yeah, yeah, well made. I mean, it's the same yeah. with. Well, actually, that's not true. I was gonna, I was about to say Blizzard, but they have a lot of different types of games they make. They just, they're all like finely tuned. Yeah, and Rockstar games are definitely yeah. finely tuned as well. Yeah. And I could, I totally understand why people don't like them because they are very similar. And if you, that's not what you're feeling, like that's their games. But yeah. I, I definitely would have to say most of them are fun, fun. The only thing that turned me off to LA Noir is it looked like a really slow paced game. Slow game. Yeah, and I just, it, you know, as we talk about with yeah. backlogs, I just don't have time to be like. Oh, let me spend two hours looking over this I think crime any, scene. I think any game that comes out and the selling point that the marketing tries to get you on is like technology. Yeah. I think those are never good because L.A. Noir was all about the facial technology they used to capture yeah. voice like performances, and like that isn't that's not an excuse to make a boring game like. Like, oh, but look at the facial motions. So we won't be able to do a big topic today, but I'm just curious, just off the top of your guys' heads, what games are you buying by the end of this year? Because I'm getting Odyssey for sure. Probably I'm Odyssey Pub- tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably going to get PUBG when it comes yeah, out. That's I'm looking a game forward I'm, to that a lot. But otherwise, I can't. I, I'm like on the fence about Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I don't know what you guys are thinking about that. Like, I kind of want to get it, but I, I'm going to wait a lot closer. I'm still hoping for a... Surprise announcement of Xenoblade Chronicles One. That'd be cool. Ported Switch. That'd be awesome. Because man, I want to play that game again so bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I've I've never played the old ones. I'd love to go back and the Xenoblade Chronicles those. One. The those the, those last couple RPGs on Wii, Pandora's Tower, which is less of an RPG and more of just kind of a weird Japanese game, but it's cool. Yeah. Um, Last Story, which is incredible. Yeah, and I want to play Xenoblade, that on something. Xenoblade Chronicles, which is also incredible. Man, they just they nailed that like really evocative feeling that like a good JRPG does without them being like overly cheesed up. Yeah. Um even Xeno I mean, Xenoblade has like a pretty solid legacy, like those games, uh Xenogears and 
what's the what's the PlayStation Two series? Xenosaga. Oh, Xenosaga. Yeah, yeah, those were great. I there's like a, one. they're always just like these weird pseudo religious games, like yeah. very bizarre and very kind of like heavy. I think again that they, I think the design of Xenoblade Chronicles Two to be more cartoony. I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah. It still looks cool, but the characters in particular look very uninteresting. Yeah. Because they just look like, you know, like, oh, I've got armor that's not attached to my body and I'm just wearing underwear. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Judging by the trailers, it looks Those like it's, it's sort of whiny. Like, the yeah. Characters are but I know the world is going to be cool because yeah. that world is cool. And I know the music's going to be good yeah, again. Yeah, there's no J pop. There's which no uh, J pop guy doing the <laughs> freaking music. Gosh, that was the worst thing. Yeah. Um, oh, man. But is there any other game that you guys like? I might pick up Okami on the HD re release on Xbox. Yeah. Like in December. I'm not Mario sure. Mario Odyssey. Okami would be a maybe. There's a game I played a ton of. But if never it was actually... on Switch, it would be a for sure for me. But because it's Xbox, it's maybe. Yeah. Um,. It might just be Mario Odyssey at this point. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of great games. Like, there's still plenty to choose from. Obviously, we talked about Assassin's Creed, Wolfenstein, much others. But there's nothing that's really sticking out to me like, oh, man, I need this. I, I probably will get Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah. But... It comes out at a time where, like, there's nothing else around it, so it's a good time to release I, December 1st. Like, I'm looking at what I'm buying in terms of what I'm going to have time to play. Yeah. Like, I don't want to rush out and build up my back catalog when it's going to probably, like, to play through Mario, to play through Assassin's Creed. Like, that'll probably last me into December. I bet you anything Mario will take two weeks. I've played a lot of Mario games, and they're just so much fun that you just rush. You end up just playing a ton of it, and I bet... I bet it's not going to take that long. Like, I bet I, it's a long game. But I mean, South Park took me five days. Yeah. I heard. I read that Mario Odyssey is like a 15 to 20 hour, but then there's a lot to do after you beat it. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, because like I... I because I remember like the last Mario and the Nintendo 64 Mario, like I, you know, I obviously I was a kid and I had a lot of time to play right then, but like now yeah. I only have time to play games maybe for two hours Called before Assassin's I Creed, go to sleep yeah. at night. Yeah, yeah. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. The um, Mario on Wii U was really incredible. I think the biggest downfall to that was the forced multiplayer. It's not forced, yeah. but it's like to, to unlock all of the game's secrets, it's like you had to beat the game with every single character, which is easy when you're playing with four people the whole time. But when you're playing as one person, then you have to go through all of the levels yeah. four times. Yeah, that was a dumb idea uh, for yeah. them. But it was cool in Super Mario 3D Land when it was just going through with Luigi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like two people wasn't so bad. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, is there anything else you guys want to add for the episode? Because we got a little bit of house cleaning to do. I'm trying to think. There was housekeeping. There was definitely more news this week. I know um, we might need to save some of it though, just because we're already at like an ultra BS <laughs> for us at least. We're like in an ultra, hour. Ultra. We'll probably have like an hour of 30 minutes. I don't know how much more people want to listen to us blather, but we need. We will hopefully do this soon. There's just a lot of stuff going. On. Is there any other about news? That word blather. Blather. <laughs> Let's blather on. Is that like plethora? Plethora. Um. No, I mean, there's some cool stuff. So, Humanican Media has a Super BS webpage, right? Yeah, if you go on humanicanmedia.com, we have uh, Super BS has their own page on there. Is so there a URL that they can get to directly to that? or? Um, I will put it up on our uh, Facebook page fa- okay. or in- and Instagram, too, so you guys can kind of check it out. Okay. Um, as you guys know, we've been doing kind of a little short form, just talking to some people who have traveled around um, in mini BS, just some old friends and family of the show. Um, you guys can check those out. Those are kind of like I don't know, every other week, every few weeks. We've been we're gonna try to get back to getting regular on the super BS. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, 
there we've been having some interviews recently. I just got to talk to Andy Schatz from uh, Pocket Watch Games about Tooth and Tail. That game is awesome. I wish we had more time to talk about that alone. Um, the artwork's amazing. It looks like, you know, Red Wall, communism, Red Wall, uh, war game. Um, that went up last week. Yeah, it went up last week. It was, it, yeah, it's really good. I, my favorite interview that you've done so far is yeah. the two Ravens guys. Like oh, those. two Ravens are cool. Yeah. yeah. The first one really you like the first one. The I most? just, the, or? The, 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 the people talking were just interesting. I don't like, well, West of loathing dudes are pretty cool too. The, yeah. uh, Zach and Kevin from, uh, asymmetric, but no, uh, Andy shots was awesome, man. I mean, they have a huge game and he took his time to, um, took time out of his data. Like, I, talk. I liked how he's talked about all of his experience. So like how yeah, he kind of helped create the indie genre. Like he sounds like he really cares about games and knows like what he's doing and knows his place in the industry. Yeah. He's done like a couple Sims too, which were really weird, like a uh, venture Africa and venture. Uh, he did a whole lot of stuff. Um, we should maybe have something, uh, coming up next week with, the guys from Team Colorblind, they made a game called Aztez. It's a PC only like side scroller. I remember what I wanted to talk action about. Action game. Okay, and then we got we're gonna have one last thing after this before we end. But um yeah, it's it looks really, really cool. I'm excited to talk to them. The, I, I read about them, their game didn't actually sell as much as they had hoped, only because it came out on Steam with I wanna say forty other games the same day. And yeah, it's a really cool game. It was really well reviewed by people who checked into it, but it was just like it was just too hard. Came out too busy of a season. Um, so we're supposed to talk to them this week. Um, Donna, you had some news, and we'll have more house keeping stuff in uh, next week too. Yeah, um, it was not really news. I just wanted to bring up: Have you guys heard of the game Elix or whatever? Oh, Elix. Oh, Elix. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That looked cool, but I heard it's trash. I've heard. <laughs> I haven't heard that it's trash. I've just heard Gothic that it's guys. like. Yeah, that it. But it looks really fascinating. Like yeah. the trailer for it looks really cool, and I'd never heard of it. Oh, really? I just randomly saw it on Xbox, like games I, coming out soon. I saw it. They had an E3 trailer. I think that was all they had, oh, okay. but it was only like, it was kind of as advertised as well as, do you guys remember the Technomancer by Spider Games? Yeah. It was kind of like advertised like but that. Technomancer is technically an indie game, right? Yeah. Well, so is Elix. I thought Elix is made by the team. It's THQ Nordic. Yeah. Elixir. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's published by them. It's done by the guys who made Gothic though. Yeah. And that's not a huge I haven't game seen series anything at all. for this game. It actually kind of looks Oh, it looks amazing. Cool. But it's yeah. the problem is I guess it's buggy. I don't know. It's one of those games where like Technomancer, which I own and haven't got a chance to play yet. Um, like I will definitely pick up when it's on sale just cause it looks cool, you yeah. know? And I want to like support those guys, but I just, you know, can't drop 60 on a, <laughs> it's on like a game a, this season. It's like a Mad Max type RPG fantasy RPG. That looks well, it, it covers all like sci-fi fantasy, like everything. The yeah. biggest complaint I've heard is that it's not viable to play the game through with guns. Like you have to play the game through with melee from what mm -hmm. I understand. Like the gun play just isn't like strong enough. Um, anything else before we go? Yeah, that's it. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll be back pretty soon. Peace. Oh, yeah. That to, to us people that can feel things, it it uh, it hurts.